And now, enjoy this free Jason Modcast show. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Fridays. I am your host, Mike Lutz. Um, we're probably just we're going to get right into it. Um, our we have three good shows for you this week. Uh, the first show is "Don't Get Us Started," number twenty. What's on the telly uh, this week? Sadie Lacey and special guest David K. Montoya chat about exercise and how it's different for everyone and then they get into their favorite television shows we'll be right back after the episode ends hi i am s sadie burbank and i am lisa montoya and we want to welcome you to don't Don't get get us started and tonight we have a special guest with us david k montoya is joining us hey boys and girls (laughs) and (laughs) we also have zoe montoya However, her verbal input is likely to be ill-timed and not necessarily understandable. Other than that, uh, we'll let her just pipe up whenever she feels like it. She's playing in the kitchen right now. God knows what could happen. That worries me right now. Yeah, I know. Me too, since she's the only one in the kitchen. Anyhow, uh, we welcome you, David, to uh, our show tonight. We're glad you're joining us. Thank you. Lots of estrogen, but I can handle it. Well, yeah, we are estrogen rich on account of we just came back from the gym. The gym, yes. We did. This is our third day now, right, of doing the treadmill too? Or fourth day? Fourth. Fourth time so far? Yeah. Cool. We're, we're having so much yeah, fun. Yeah, number four. And we're actually, we're, we're taking it slow and easy. We're doing a couple of miles an hour, and we're doing just 20-minute segments right now, trying to get our bodies used to uh, the fact that we're actually moving, right. walking. You know? But we're still doing our uh, vibration machines. Oh, yeah. Well, we but we walk first, and then we do the whole body vibration machines after that, because that's what our trainer said we had to do. Yes. In that fashion, in that way. And so that's what we're doing. But... um we're all wound up, and it's exhilarating. I know you said, Lacey, you have the same sort of reaction. Like, you get up in the morning, and you're feeling kind of stiff and, yeah, and, and worn out and everything. But as the day goes on, and we get around to it, and we go to the gym and everything, when we come out of there, we're feeling, we're feeling good. Yeah. We So the exercising is uh, is good. good. Exercising is good it's for a you. It's a good thing. We're getting that. What do they call that? Um Neurons, or no, no, what do they call that when you get, uh, in your head, you get high? Oh, shit. Let's. The dopamine high? Yeah, 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 from exercise. We're getting our own natural dopamine highs Uh from exercising. We work through the burn, then it feels good. Yeah, and it doesn't really burn that much. Just a little bit. Too much. I noticed. With my calves a little bit, then it works. Yeah, and I noticed that after today, after the walk, I mentioned to you too, my ankles were kind of sore. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just because I haven't really been doing a lot of walk, unless you count walking from 
one slot machine to the next yeah, or down a buffet do line. I don't do a lot of walking. So Well, if your legs continue, ankles continue to hurt, why don't you try getting the flat tennis shoes? Maybe those rockers might be. Well, I don't think it's the rockers because I actually walked on them for over a year. Okay. So I'm used to the rockers. I think it was just that my little ankles are going, do we have to walk? Uh -huh. Can't we just sit on our ass like what we usually do? What the hell are you doing yeah. to me? So it's, you know, and it wasn't like a major ouch or anything. It was just kind of like, oh, okay. Glad we stopped when we did. Uh-huh. And, um, but we do feel good when we come off it. And we only go three days a week and we go three consecutive days a week as a rule. Mm -hmm. So we have four days a week when we're not doing the walk and we're not right. doing all that. So it gives us a chance to get sort of like sedentary and then we get <laughs> wound up again and everything. But we're, at least we're doing it. We're, we're, we're moving. We're feeling good about doing that and we're feeling physically better by doing it. And, and I even changed. I used to drink the, the black monsters, the That's green monsters. That's right. You switched. Um, David got me a blue monster, which is which is low calories and less sugars. Uh huh. And today he got me a white one, Ooh. which is zero calories and zero sugars. And how yeah. was that? Good. It there you like go. It's like a squirt. You know, it's it's. Um, I have to have my caffeine. It's. You have to have your caffeine. Yeah. Yes. And, and see, I drink coffee. That's how I get yeah, my I, caffeine. I don't like drinking You don't drinks. do coffee, so you get your caffeine in any other way you can. And personally, I know from experience it's better if you can get your caffeine without the extra sugar calories right. along with it because drink, they add up really fast. I do have a sweet tooth, but I drink most of my calories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so by cutting that, and, and I've can, only given myself one Mountain Dew a day now. If you can give yourself your sweet fix some other way, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, fruit or what the hell, you know, mm -hmm. but the, switch to the sugar-free drinks, not only will you, you know, do better with your teeth and crap mm -hmm. like that, you'll actually drop pounds that, right. that you don't even have to work at dropping just right. by dropping the, the sugar the calories right. out of it. So that's a cool thing. I'm really yeah. glad you did that. I think it's... I'm taking it's, it serious. I'm not, I'm not going to the gym to be the skinny girl. I'm going to the gym because I want to be healthy. I have a very bad back. I have a 2-year-old and I have an 11 or 12-year-old. Almost 13. So I have to be got on my yeah. toes. Yeah, you do. And I don't have all that. Mine are all grown up. Thank you. And, but, but, uh, because of that, I don't really have any, um, uh, anything at home that's pushing me to move around. Right. If I don't, if I, I mean, I have a lot of stuff I can do. Right. Yard work, etc. But if I don't want to, I just go, mm, I don't want to. And so then I don't. That's like, um, the diet. I'll start on Monday. Yeah. Ah, oh, money comes and goes. I'll start on Monday. So this is kind of why we decided to exercise together to force it's each other team. into doing because it. some days I'll be like, oh, I don't really want to go. Yeah. Then it's like, nope, Marilyn's counting on me, and vice versa. You That's feel right. The same. That's right. And you have to, you have to do that. That's what our buddying is all uh -huh. about. And one of these days, even Mr. David K over there will join us and. Uh -huh. Possibly. Well, actually, that won't work because of the kids. You I was going to say, are you, well, are you saying that already... I need to get in shape? No, 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 not at all. What we no, can no. do is we'll have our gym days, then him and Ernie can go to the gym together, and I can stay at home and watch the kids. Ah. <laughs> I so don't see Ernie doing that. <laughs> 
First of all, like I mentioned to you yesterday, we're on beta blockers. Right. Ernie, Ernie and I are both on beta blockers for different reasons. He's a cardiac patient, and I have mitral valve prolapse. Mm-hmm. And the atenolol that I take is because uh, a few years back, I woke up in the night with my heart racing. Oh. And uh, I couldn't stop it. Mm-hmm. Usually when... <laughs> getting a lot of background noise from the kids there. Usually when that... When that happens, um, I... Um, you can calm yourself. Yeah, well, that and also uh, <clears throat> you can use what's called a vagal maneuver and you can cough mm-hmm. and actually sort of interrupt that rhythm and Reset it'll it. go right back to a normal rhythm. Well, that none of that was helping. And so I, actually I wound up in the ER and it took them three hours. That's cover doors. Uh-huh. It took them three hours on uh, a drip. Oh, what the heck was that med called? David will know, but he's in the other room right now. Anyhow, uh, a med to slow me down. took them three hours to to get my heart rate back to normal. At that point, the doctor said, "Uh, you need to be on a Tenolol because it's a beta blocker. It slows your heart rate down. Okay. And that way you won't ever have that overbeat again. Is that hereditary? Mitral valve prolapse? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. I don't honestly know, but I don't. I don't think so. Uh, it it may be. <clears throat> if it is, nobody knew anybody in my family ever had it. Right. But anyhow, uh, so that's why I'm on a beta blocker. Ernie's on beta blockers because he's hypertensive. Okay. And again, it, they slow your heart rate down. And uh, when you have hypertension, when you have, um, um, when you're stressed, mm-hmm. if you if you if your blood pressure is up a lot, it helps to s- just slow everything down. Keep everything even. Keel. Zone yourself out. And a little chemical intervention there helps. Right. Okay. So the fact that we're both on beta blockers means that when we exercise, uh, because our chemically we're slowing our hearts down, right. so to speak, we can't expect them, just because we're exercising, to increase in the same way that someone who's not on beta blockers' hearts will increase, right. heart rate will increase. In other words, when you go to exercise, you have a target heart rate. Right. Okay. When uh, when I exercise, I can't have the same target heart rate because I'm chemically altering my heart rate to start with. Right. So that means I cannot exercise. And you don't want to throw your body into a fucking yo-yo and defeating your medicine, trying to fight against well, I wouldn't, it. Well, I couldn't. You can't. What happens is if you over-exercise, okay, mm-hmm. uh, then you deprive yourself of oxygen and, you, you know, you're messed mm-hmm. up. So Pass I can out. only exercise to a certain level, mm-hmm. at a certain level, and that's my target right. heart rate. And for me, my target heart rate is about 100, 110 mm-hmm. at the most. Right now, it's right around 104. That gives me plenty of oxygen to the fingers and toes and all right. that kind of stuff. Keeps me breathing at a normal and with rate. with me, with the medications I take, it's a block wall with my anxiety and depression medicine with losing weight. I told my doctor, yeah. I said, so I can be fat and happy or I can be skinny and miserable and he said pretty much yeah like a lot of psychotropic drugs so are that way harder on they, it to lose they weight. will uh, and I don't know chemically what's involved but psychotropics do impede weight loss yeah. just that simple 
Hey, David, w when you were in the other room, we were yes. talking about uh, when they took me to the ER to uh, because my heart rate was racing and they I couldn't get it slowed down. They put me on what's that med that that they give you in, in, when you're like all freaked out and stuff? Do you remember? Um, was it drip? You said. Well, they eventually put me on a drip. You mean, was it an anxiety medicine? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I can't think of what it, the heck it was. Oh my god! And it's commonly used yes, in the ER. I, I know, and I just can't call it to mind right now. Well, anyhow, let that, me sit over here and let me think about. Yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Anyhow, I know what it is. that was. I know you do. That's why I asked. You. But anyhow, that was the med they put me on. I was on. I was on it for three hours on a drip before they got my heart rate back to normal. So and 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 it, it was just because of the mitral valve prolapse, and that's the the first time that ever happened. And you know, because I've had I've had it happen before where it would beat fast, but I'd use a vagal maneuver, cough it down, and everything would be fine. Uh, this time, no. And I I even called one of my doc friends in the ER and told him what was going on, and he said, "Well, have you tried vagal?" And I said, "Yeah, I did that. You know, well, did this, that, and nothing, nothing worked." I'm going to look it up because I okay. know the it, actual name of it. It's, it's not it's, Xanax either. It's, it's, um. Well, it's, it's Alazapam? 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 Alazapam. Let me check. I believe that's what it is. Okay, but it's not Xanax. <laughs> it's, um, God bless it. All the ER techs are going, it's blah, blah. And they're saying it, you know, uh -huh, yelling, yelling it into the you. phone. Don't you know that? You know, it's. You know, it's use it or lose it. Sorry, time. guys, we can't hear you. It's well, and it's use it or lose it. You know, I've been away from the ER now for four years, and uh, and I miss it at times. Uh, <laughs> at times, yeah. Well, I'm so, I'm too busy to miss much of anything. But um, you know, when when you're away from it that long, you do forget a right. lot. It's scary how much I've forgotten. But if you get back into you know. swinging things and you hang around, you're gonna. Well, I I would pick it back up again, but it does take a while. You know, when you're when you're there all the time using right. your skills and information and the terms, then then it's that's when it comes to you when you need it. But you know, me, I'd be standing around going, um, you know, you can't. Do and that. there's a lot changed in four years too, with the yeah. different medications and volume. Uh, no, it wasn't Valium. No? No. But it was in that family. wasn't Valium. Oh, uh, shit. Keep going, though. You'll find it. You'll find it. Stress reducer in ER. Vitamin A. No, it wasn't, it wasn't a vitamin. No. no, that vitamin A is... And, and it just dawned on me what it's called. Hold on. It's... um. Shit. Hold on. You had it, and then you lost I it. I did. I hate when that happens. You've been hanging around me too long. <laughs> yeah. I forget so much stuff. It's just... Ativan. Ativan? Yeah, vitamin A. Ativan. Is it Ativan? No? No. Isn't there a... Haldol? No, no, God, no. <laughs> no, it wasn't Haldol. Right, just got big as silver dollars. Oh, hell no. No. Um, God bless it. Was it Ativan? I wonder if Ernie would remember. He's he's <laughs> got a steel trap. He really has. That's what he says every morning when I when I check him to make sure he's got all his stuff on that he needs. 
you know, because I, I do. I check him to make sure he's got his keys. You'd be surprised how many times he tries to go out of the house without his, without his keys. Yeah, Dave's done that a couple times, and, and I hear him banging on the garage door. And I'm like, dude, when you get to work, you're going to be pissed off because you won't be able to get in. He yeah. says, but the good thing is those keys are on his car key ring, so he can't even get out of the driveway. <laughs> but he he goes off without his, uh, what do you call it, his, his, hi, badge. Thank you. That's the word. Hey, are you busy? We're on air. We're on the air. <laughs> Say hello. No, don't. Um, listen, remember when I had uh, my heart thing when uh, I had to go to the hospital and they put me on a drip to get my heart rate back down again? Huh? Yeah. Do you remember what the med was? What did they give me to slow my heart rate down? We're talking about it on air, and I can't remember the damn name. And, and it, it wasn't, what was that one you said? Well, I thought you were talking about anxiety medicine. Well, we were. But sort of. to get the heart rate down, yeah. you probably would get, like, digoxin. No, it wasn't dig. Uh, it wasn't any of the cardiac meds. No. Do you... Well, it probably was a beta blocker, it's a mystery, but, folks. but uh, it's something they use in the ER all the time. And it wasn't Ativan, was it? No, I know you don't. I didn't either. Uh, Ativan is uh, vitamin A, actually. Um, wasn't it? Wasn't Xanax? No, I'm not saying it right then. Zantac. Zantac is for indigestion. Xanax is for anxiety. Yeah, you got confused, honey. Heartburn really. Uh, well, anyway, you, you know, okay. Mm. Well, your seal trap's rusty, sweetheart. <laughs> Thank you for trying. Huh? What? Yeah, he says his steel trap's like a sieve. <laughs> okay honey i love you talk to you later bye okay he doesn't remember either but he knows it wasn't any of the ones we've talked about so far any <clears throat> anyway and it really doesn't make a damn bit of difference no. i mean we're so past that now anyhow but that's why i'm on beta blockers and that's why i have to exercise at a certain rate and the reason that i'm harping on this point is any of our listeners who are out there who have uh, a desire to start exercising or uh, feel that they should start That's exercising or whatever. Before you start any exercise regimen, contact your doctor. Exactly. That's the point I want to make is check with your doctor first because if you're on certain medications, your approach to exercise should be modified by that knowledge and you right. should you should discuss that specific point with your doctor don't just go to the doctor i mean go to the doctor and tell him you want his advice mm -hmm. about exercising because you want to start med medication right and you, you want to start doing an exercise program and if he doesn't know um then you're fucked get another doctor yeah <laughs> go to a cardiologist or yeah well yeah get a referral <laughs> if you're if your primary can't tell you ask for a referral to a cardiologist 
you know, or your somebody. Your primary that, should be able to. Your tell primary you. should, if he's got any any uh, right to his MD now, let's at he all. Works in the back of McDonald's, and you have a whole other story. Yeah. So anyhow, that's that's my advice for people that want to exercise. Please do that thing. I know everybody's going. Well, it's going to cost me eighty dollars just to have my doctor tell me it's okay. Well, you it will be worth it in the long run because you won't hurt yourself then, right? Unless you have access to medical knowledge that. Uh, precludes the necessity so there okay so it'd be a lot cheaper to pay the 80 dollars than go have yourself laid up in the emergency well that's that's the whole point so yeah anyway uh so david has joined us today on account of we didn't know what we're gonna talk about today and i certainly don't want to spend the hour talking about our exercising um which i don't mind yeah but i don't think anybody really wants to hear all that do you no no okay so we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about something else, but we just don't know yet what it is. And I think we're still on that line with we don't know what we're talking about. Well, I thought you guys were going to talk about TV shows. Oh, That's well, you yeah, said. you did You did mention before we got on air, you mentioned that you thought it would be fun for us to talk about our favorite TV shows. Just because I know Lacey's favorite TV shows. Which are? And she watches some of the weirdest shit. She does. She does. She watches those ghost shows. Oh, that's not weird. Yeah. But then she watches, like, you know, murdering kids. Kids who murder kids. Yeah. Kids Kids who murder people. Yeah. Yeah. That's disturbing. I watched once. I think I watched that, and it was disturbing enough that I wasn't interested in watching it. And then I seen, she. I think, I don't remember if it was with you or not, but she had it on, and this show called Snapped was on. And it's about the wives killing their husbands. I was like grabbing the remote <laughs> control. I was like, no ideas got to change. <laughs> snapped. Then I was I like watching. That. I snapped. Gee, um, honey, I'm sorry. Snapped. <laughs> Bang. Why sex sent me to the ER. That was amusing. Yes. That was <laughs> Is amusing. that like cucumbers and things? Is that what oh, you mean? Or was sex, it just too much penises. sex? Broken. I didn't know you could break your penis. And... I mean, it's not a bone, is it? How do you break no, a penis? That's pretty much what... It's like... <laughs> that's why you're here, David. Explain to us how you can break your penis. A penis. It's not an actual break. break. Oh. Oh. Okay. It's, it's just more a, of a strain. Sort of like a yeah. bend. <laughs> a kink. Ooh. That'd be like a Charlie horse in your penis. That'd be yeah. really bad. It actually only takes like <laughs> 3.5 pounds of pressure to do that. Ooh. And then there's this one guy they're having... That's a good him. number to have. Him, his two, his wife and his girlfriend, him and his girlfriend were having sex in the laundry room, and he was bent up against the washing machine, and they were doing God knows what. Was the washing machine on at the time? No. Okay. So the wife was in the kitchen cooking, and she's like, well, it looks like you two are having fun. And she came in to sounds like a sounds like a porn film. <laughs> and <laughs> the washing machine lid slammed down on his penis oh a is he really tall and b just how i don't know how long was that long Mm. widened (laughs) wait let's back up this real fast (laughs) just just for a second yes now you said that he was having sex with someone else while his wife was up against yeah Yeah, and she's He's having sex with his girlfriend in the laundry room against the, the washer while the wife's in the, the kitchen. kitchen Are they Mormons? No. Oh, okay. They're just flexible. Yeah. <laughs> Very flexible. 
apparently. Uh, I guess one's got more talent than the other, so he just combines the two and gets what he wants. And so she comes out and says, she looks like you're having fun. Uh -huh. That, I don't, you know, given. I have a problem with that. Given <laughs> that situation, I don't see me saying just exactly that. No. I, no, I see If I was in the kitchen and there's a butcher knife, you better be running, buddy. Are we sure that that's what she said and that's how the accident happened? Or did she come out and find oh, no, them and slam the, the door no, down on him? Because they all three went to the emergency room together. They all got hurt, or they just no, went because they, they were moral support. <laughs> There's an oxymoron. <laughs> moral support in an immoral situation. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. Okay. Um, Who am I to say it's immoral? I mean, if they're consenting adults, what the fuck? Well, literally, it's not my thing. Um, no, it's not mine either. But just locale. I mean, we could spend an hour talking about dumb places. To have sex. Yeah. And up against the washing machine mm -hmm. with your wife in the kitchen would be just way close to the top of the list for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, I uh, back in the day when I could manage those positions, those positions <laughs> I still, no. I, what is, is she sitting on the washing machine? I don't remember. It's or just leaning up ago. against it? Maybe he was sitting on it and I she was sitting he on was him. Leaning, he was like on a bar stool and he was leaning against it and she was, I don't know, using toys <laughs> on him. I don't know. And this was a TV show? Yeah, it's called yeah. Um, How Sex... Um, How Sex Got Started? No. How Sex... How Sex Started? <laughs> How Sex um, Sent Me to the ER. Okay. And it's on TLC. Okay, okay. All right, well, that's... I'll call you next time I see it on. Uh, don't, <laughs> no, no, I don't... And then she loves, um, what is that one called? With the the wives and the husband. Oh, I watched Sister Wives. Sister Wives, yes. Oh, and I see, that one doesn't appeal to me at all. Because, you know, they're just... Yeah, okay, he's got a bunch of wives. And, you know... And how do they get along? I, th that's. I just think is that he. Never appealed to me. Because there's a fat one, there's a medium sized one, there's a really skinny one, and there's the medium size from that. So I just think he has his cake and his cookies and his ice cream and the variety of these different sized women. Well, the, the, what's, what is the payoff for them? I've seen some of these guys, okay? And frankly, they're not all that appealing. No. On any level that I can think of, and physically, it just seems to mentally, me like the guy has a free ride. He's got they bought homes in Las Vegas, so he's got four beautiful homes that he bounces back and forth to. Yeah. Now, yeah. These homes, why do they? Why do they like him? What's he bring to the party? I'm not mad. I mean, four yeah. houses doesn't I don't get it. Think so because the houses. I don't know if they're in his name and the wife's names, or just in the wife's names. Well, okay, even if they were in their names. And what else? He, he, these guys are not attractive. They're not handsome. No. They're not cute. They're not fun. They're not intelligent. They're I not articulate. because that's the way they were brought up in a polygamist family. Mm, and I think it's just that's what they're used to, so that's what they go. Well, and now there is an advantage. If, you know, she has a headache tonight, dear, then sister wife could take it on. 
you know? Yeah, but that... Maybe. Their sex life, I mean, come on. That would put him having, staying maybe one or two nights at each wife's house. That's a lot of sex for one man who... Oh, I don't think that would be an issue for some men. Yeah. Some men are really that horny that they, you know, it's like every night and every day too. I just have to jump in and put yes, a, a male's you, perspective on please, this. Please, we could okay. use that at this point. <sighs> one wife requires so much attention. <clears throat> the wife's sitting here. Yes, I know. <laughs> It's it's a chore just taking care of one woman is yeah. what you're saying. You yeah. would have to be dedicated. I, I was going to say moron. <laughs> well, that too, a dedicated moron. Or you know, one of those freakazoids that like punishment. What is it called? Masochists. You know, to just yeah, because you're fucking asking for it. And I don't know if, if you guys cuss on this show. I don't think you do. Oh yes, do. are you kidding? Yeah. I'm on it. Of course we cuss. Okay. Cuss. I don't even use the word cuss. <laughs> I fucking hate the word cuss. <laughs> but yeah. honestly, it, it's just something that, as a male, it boggles my mind to to think, well, this dude is, not only is he sleeping with these dif different women, mm -hmm. but he engages in, like, a married life with each one. And I know how difficult it is just with to just maintain one. Yeah. one relationship. Yeah. How the hell is he doing it with four? Well, you, you, you may possibly be overestimating the extent to which his husbandry mm -hmm. goes for example he may be the husband to one of the women and the fuck friend to the rest right. we don't know you know because like you say there's just so much time you can spend being a husband uh, with another person you know and even if they even if he does i I thought from watching what little I've watched of that show that they lived together. No, they all lived separately. When they lived in Utah, they had like a a house that had almost like an apartment complex with their houses all together. Right, right. But then when Utah ran them out, they moved to Las Vegas. I thought Utah was a polygamous state, so mm, to speak. Not anymore. No. Ah. Yeah. They stopped that, huh? In fact, that's a no no. They, so they went where? Vegas. They're in Las Vegas. Vegas is okay with them? Yeah. Well, hello, Vegas has got Well, all I know, but cultures. just because just because Vegas has uh or Nevada has uh legalized prostitution, actually Vegas doesn't, but Nevada does, mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean that they legalize polygamy. I just think it's just because there's so many different cultures and Las Vegas isn't a religious community oh there's Sin probably an City. awful lot of people in vegas right now going what the fuck is she talking about yeah. you know because i go to goddamn church every day no well, but there that that may be uh that you may, know, it's just that may be a broad statement you might want to pull back on a little bit because yes there may not be some it, religion welcome. isn't necessarily predominant action in las vegas but doesn't but, mean there aren't religious well, people yeah, there. because it's not just but i'm saying they're just more open-minded to accept it's different. would seem it would seem yeah that they would be because didn't utah actually put out a warrant or something for him i don't remember mm. that's been a long time ago they did mm. something i don't remember i don't want mm. to because i don't remember well even even if the, socially they're acceptable let's say, in Vegas. That still doesn't mean legally they are. Right. But apparently well, they are because they're there. 
Legally, so, he's only married to one, obviously. And the other ones, he's just committed to because you can't be married to more than one person. Well, yeah, as far as I, I think that's a federal thing, huh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like the, there's the bigamy, polygamy mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, so I don't he's know. He's only married to his first wife legally. Well, <clears throat> I get what you're saying, David. The about other ones it's, were commitments. It's a me. lot of work just to, to be a husband. You know, to one person. Well, yeah, because um, you don't want to, like, wake up in the middle of the night and have your wife standing over you with a butcher knife. No. Are you waking up in the middle of the night and no. calling the other wife's name when you're in the bed with the other wife? Well, I, I would think they would have had to have gotten over that at some point. Yeah. Or other. Because, um, frankly, that's going to happen. You know. Another one of Lacey's favorite shows, which... I do pop in and watch once in a while. And we've been watching this for years was the the Duggar family, the 19 kids and counting. Oh yeah, yeah. I do find yeah. their their stuff interesting. I haven't actually ever watched a whole show of them. I know who they are. Mm -hmm. I know the whole thing is, you know, this woman is just a, like a human baby factory. Yeah. And unfortunately, she doesn't have, or fortunately for her, she doesn't have my genetic makeup, or she'd look like a baby factory. She doesn't. She's nice and slim and trim, and, you know, I guess keeping up with 19 kids would do that to you. Um, I don't know. But anyhow, I know who with they are. With their religion, they don't believe in birth control. There was one time she was put on birth control, and she got pregnant, and the birth control, I guess, aborted the baby. If she was on birth control... It didn't work. Yeah, she got pregnant. She got pregnant. Yeah, well, but then she are you didn't. sure it was birth she control she was on? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, then I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put her on it if I was her doctor either, because apparently it doesn't work. Right. Because <laughs> yeah, either that or she didn't use it properly. What kind? Uh, you know, I, no. they didn't go into detail. I was gonna say after nineteen kids, I think it's kind of a moot point. I would say it is. It's one of those things where. You're not likely to have, oh, I don't know. Plus, didn't she have, didn't they just recently have a baby that they had problems with? It died or something? Um, they had a baby, um, was born, stillborn. I think that she was five months along, and that's been a while ago. It was last year, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. And, and then. Plus, some of her kids are having kids now. Yes. Yes. Right. Her eldest son. Um, is married and they have three children together. To me, that sort of falls into the the same category that uh, keeping a uh, and this is going to be a real touchy subject, so I don't want everybody to get all jump on it and everything. But keeping a, a brain dead patient on life support right. falls into that category. Just because we can, does it mean we should? Right. And that was a does it, not doesn't. Right. That was a question. That wasn't a statement. My thing is, is that. I give them kudos because, as far as I know, they own their businesses. They're not on public assistance. Oh, yeah. As far as I'm concerned, um, it's their business if they want to have right. But my thing that, is, but, is damn. you are now a grandma. Step off of the mama plate mm. and enjoy your grandbabies. Well, Don't if, be they like sex, if they like sex, though, and they have issues about birth control, it's going to keep happening. I mean, let's face it. But her, you put it in, had, you're going to get something out. <laughs> it's just like going to the bank. She had the baby who was stillborn. Then she had the last baby who was in NICU for a while, a long time. Yeah. Because yeah. she was born early. Yeah. So, I mean, she's kind of maybe like her eggs are getting 
old old eggs. I don't know if they can. Can they do that? Can eggs get old? I don't know. <laughs> not, I know that it's women, not like we're talking about the refrigerator here. Right? I know women but, are born with how many ever eggs in our uterus. That yeah, you got have. them. You got them when you're when you're born. You've mm-hmm. got your babies there. But um, whether or not they deteriorate in strength, it's certainly possible because I I think that happens with sperm. Yeah. Sperm yes. uh, quality of uh, uh, motility mm-hmm. and diminishes sometimes with age sometimes with a lot of other things too like a lot of caffeine lifestyle a lot of drugs yeah sometimes a lot of sex actually because when back in the day when i was trying to get pregnant i had a lot of trouble getting pregnant actually um and we went to the doc you know and we said well we've been just doing it every time we can hoping you know and he goes stop doing that unless you really just want to do it all the time because (laughs) Uh, it, it just actually cuts down on their, uh, the, the sperm's, um, strength to swim upstream, literally. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's really, you're not doing yourselves any favors, you know, to, to, to do it six or seven times a night, you know, one time is all it takes. Yeah, because, you, <laughs> you know, can, the sperm will fertilize an egg in three days. Well, and look how many eight. sperm go, you know, like, lots, lots of them go. Only one gets in, or two or three sometimes. But right. uh, so yeah, you don't need to. You don't. You don't need to ensure success right. with repeating. So, but anyway, yeah, I uh, I think she's. They're going to have to 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 face an issue sooner or later. Right. Uh, because if they like sex that much, which apparently they do. Oh yeah. Uh, and if they don't use some sort of protection. Right then she's going to keep getting pregnant. And at some point, I mean, to keep getting pregnant at such, I think she's like 50, I'm guessing, or close to. She's got to be. She's got 20-something-year-old kids. and She's got to be at least 45 or 50. Being pregnant, it's hard on your body. Oh, God, yes. So Especially 20 know. times. Dear right. Lord. Mm. I don't know. I, uh, for me, no, wouldn't work. I mean, aside from having the, you know, aside from the fact that when you're all said and done, you've got 19 kids running around the house. Right. Um, just going through 19 pregnancies would be right. way low on my choice of life list. I did find life list. with both my pregnancies, but this last one <clears throat> was a little rougher. Well, I was lucky. Yeah. My, both my pregnancies were lovely. I had no problem with that. But I just, like David pointed out, from the delivery was rougher. From the the standpoint of uh, being a husband to all these multiple wives, being a father to 19 children, you know, half of which are probably boys and half of which are close. You know, I mean, it's got to be about a 50 50 split Mm. there, boys and girls. Of course. Right. Uh, It would seem to me that that would also come into play. You know, because, and then throw into the mix that they happen to be on television. Right. And if we've watched any of those shows very often, we know that, that, that those are invasive to the families. I watched for a while, I watched that one with John and the, Kate plus eight. right. Mm-hmm. And they spent a good deal of time on their show showing how invasive that whole, 
uh, procedure was, you know, getting the cameraman there and the, right. uh, you know, just imagine in this house, for example, if we, if and we John were. And Eight's first home was small. Yeah. And if we were being filmed, video mm-hmm. recorded or whatever, while this is going on, you know, we've already got the baby out there. We've got, uh, one of our friends out in the porch. We've got two dogs in the house, and then we'd, ha- you know, have half a dozen technicians with cameras and whatnot and going on. And the lights. Okay, and-, and then throw ten more. Well, no, make that about what eighteen more, seventeen more kids into the room. That kind of chaos is beyond my understanding. I can I, I'm so anti-chaos to start with. Ernie and I are both very. Um, we've mellow. Right. We like mellow. We don't. We don't like chaotic situations in our home. I mean, we we had a dog, and that was chaos enough. <laughs> okay. And I think that's one right reason why he and I never had kids. Well, the the make there were two reasons why we never had kids. I had two children by my first marriage, as you know. Right. Um. And my my children lived with their father through choices that the father and I made about the children, because they were both boys, I claimed that it was healthier for them to have a father uh, as a role model to grow up with than a psychotic mother, which I considered myself to be at times. Uh, And so they lived with their father. Um, I didn't think it was appropriate for me to turn around later at another time with another man and have another kid. Since I couldn't take care of the kids I had, I didn't think it was fair to those kids to say, well, you know, mommy really loved you, but you go live with daddy. I'm going to have another kid. I can't, I just can't go there right. and do that. So, and plus I was blessed by the fact that Ernie didn't want to have kids for whatever his reasons were. He never really was specific about it. He just said, I don't want to have kids, you know, so we didn't have kids. So when we got a dog, that was enough chaos in the family. You know, we had at one time, we actually had three dogs and a cat. That was a lot of chaos for us. Uh, but to, to, to live in, under those kinds of circumstances, I don't, I don't, I don't know how people do it. I, I don't. I don't see how they can lay down and have sex at night time after a long day. <laughs> well, with 19 kids in the house, when the hell do they have time to have sex? They find time. I mean, uh, assuming they all go to bed reasonably the same time right and as we pointed out some of the older ones are now old enough to be having their own kids so they're not actually in the house anymore they're yeah, living in their own houses yeah they've got to be living in their own houses i would think the last episode they moved to washington dc oh really okay. now are these people catholic or what is their thing about birth control do you know they're christians and they believe that birth control they're southern baptist i think yeah they, they just have a thing about birth control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I mean, everybody's entitled to their own, you know, beliefs about that. Yes, I'm just sir. curious as to at what point are they going to have to bite the weenie, <laughs> so to ah! speak, <laughs> so to speak, and uh, and say, no, I think maybe we better find a way to not get pregnant anymore because right. we can't keep having babies. Speaking of babies, we got one here joining us. Hi, Zoe. Say Hi. She's, She's waving. waving. She just waves. She doesn't actually talk. Like all uh, two-and-a-half-year-olds, she won't do anything on command. When, when, if you want her to talk, she won't. Say what's if you want her to laughing? shut up, she'll just blabber her mouth all over the place. <laughs> so if we, if we tell her to be quiet, maybe she'll talk. I don't know. 
I don't know. Anyway, um, so, okay, what other shows? Are you looking here for shows? Is oh, that I'm just looking, looking to see how much um, the Duggars make for the TLC. Oh, for the show? Yeah. You mean? Yeah, well, that certainly would be a motivation, you know. I mean, if somebody wanted to pay me a lot of money, and trust, it would have to be a lot to invade my privacy like that. Online. I'd think about it. Estimate each episode of 19 Kids and Counting, the family makes twenty-five dollars to $40,000. Per episode. Per episode. Well, that can add up pretty quickly. How many episodes do they have in a season? What is it? There's... Probably at least 10. I was going to say between maybe 10 and 12. So they're probably they're probably pulling down close to a million a year or more. That's okay. And they I'm need that. Curious because the, like, they need that though to raise those children and educate those children. They go Good on a God. lot of trips overseas to like missionary work. So I'm almost wondering if TLC puts that bill just to have content to record. Right. I would imagine they probably do. Because yeah. I know TLC helped them build that house they live in. Well, it, you know, even even so, to to feed and clothe and house and educate and they're all enter, and entertain nineteen kids. That takes a chunk of change. Yeah, mm-hmm. I can't say I blame them for doing the show because how else are they going to support no, that I many like kids? No, I like the show because it's classy. It's not a whole bunch. It's not like Octo Mom. Right. Where her kids right. are just fucking out of control. Right. She's, it's a well-behaved family. Yeah. I like watching it. It's because I don't want a large family, but looking into their large family is mm-hmm. interesting. When you can learn a lot about how to take care of kids. <laughs> Obviously, they have a high sign on how to take care of kids. I think they wrote a book about it, I'm pretty sure. And the elder kids, they have a buddy system. The older kids take on i think mama duggar takes the kids until they're a year old takes them where oh takes care care of them then they get a buddy and that buddy takes care of them that's kind of a cool way to do it buddy system have your kids raise your kids well you have another absolutely yeah well i mean what else are you gonna do (laughs) you know i i couldn't what other shows do you like to watch besides the ghost ones i know you like we've already (laughs) talked about the ghost ones There's one more. What? Your fascination with the Amish. Oh, I like watching the Amish shows. I like. I watched the Amish one for a while. I also watched the those guys up in Montana. Oh, it was a religious group up in Montana that they had a they had a show for a while, um, and it was about how the kids were dealing with you know their teen angst and whether they were going to stay with the group or branch out and leave uh-huh. and stuff like that it was, it was very interesting yeah i i enjoyed that i watch uh uh the hoarders a lot i was watching that but it just seems like it's just not so much people hoarding it's people being lazy not throwing away their trash well there is a lot of that to it for sure uh, and, and pizza boxes, soda cans, I know. cigarette boxes, I cigarette know. butts, and so deep in the in the house that you can't you can't even walk in there. Mm-mm. After a while, it does get old. I've I also watched the pollen the pond guys mm-hmm. for a while, 
And I also watched that one where the the guys go to uh, the storage wars. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like that cool. one. Uh, I like watching those shows to see what people kind of estimate things that, you know, price-wise. I like to see the stuff they leave. I have, as a, as a, a kid, I always had a thing about treasures. Mm-hmm. Uh, way back, way, way back, I read a comic book one time of uh, with Donald Duck, Uncle Donald, and Huey, Dewey, and Louie, mm-hmm. the nephews. Right. Okay. And Uncle Donald, this is what they called him. Uh, and Donald went off to find treasure or something like that, and they they did, and they and and they had these great big. And I'm holding my hands up, uh, designating about uh, what soccer ball size uh-huh. uh, gemstones that they found in this treasure, you know. And and uh, I always thought how cool as a kid. I always right. thought how cool that would be to do. You know, I want to do that. And then I have this ongoing dream like every once in a while i dream it even still to this day when i'm 70 oh fuck i can start saying i'm 74 (laughs) pretty soon so i'll get used to it but i'm still 73 years old and uh i still have this dream from time to time where i'm walking down a boardwalk sidewalk Uh made out of wood you know like in the Mm -hmm. old western towns and I look down in between the boards, and there's coins oh. down in the dirt. And so I get down under there, and I pull out the coins, and then there's more and more and more coins. And uh, somebody said one time when they were doing dream analysis, probably right. on television, that uh, when you dream about gems or coins or treasure or something like that, it's like good ideas uh, that you're either finding or looking for or something like I don't know, you know. I don't know how they decide that that's what that means unless they ask a bunch of people what that meant to them. To me, it just meant I was finding coins, right? you know, but I have had that dream on and off all through my, as far back as I can remember, right? you know, so when I watch the storage wars, I get that same sort of feeling like, Ooh, I wonder if there's treasures. And so I can so understand these uh-huh. guys buying the, yes. you know, bidding, the bidding for the units so they can dig in there and see uh-huh. what treasures got left. Cause that would be so uh-huh. way fun. Because my mama owned this own, excuse me. She manages a storage facility. Facility. Yeah. Yeah. And they lived in such a small town. So the yard sale it. Oh, the stuff uh-huh. that doesn't get claimed. They don't yeah. Do a bid. Yeah, that would be that would be tons of fun. It would be for me. It so would I be tell fun. her, I say, open up the dresser drawer, make sure there's nothing taped on the bottom. Yeah, right. You know, make sure there's no holes. You know, right. like the old old mattresses they get. Make sure right. there's nothing stitched up. Yeah, you know, that, grandma might that have kind to have thing, her check in there. <laughs> that kind of thing has always appealed to me. Uh, again, my mom and dad both were big on uh, going to. Um, thrift stores Mm -hmm. and things like that when i was a kid well let's face it when i was a kid we were just coming out of the war and depression years or depression and war years and so much of our clothing and items that we had around the house came out of thrift stores and so on because that was where you could get stuff reasonably priced we also got a lot of stuff out of the junk or the dumps Mm -hmm. back in those days you could go to a dump yeah okay and dig around, and if you found something you liked, you could you take it home. 
Right. You can't do Not that anymore because they're all privacy act. Well, and, and people are afraid you're going to hurt yourself on their property, and yeah. you're going to sue them. And I have, anyhow, it was it got a lot of really good stuff out uh-huh. of a dump, and and it wasn't actually the last time I remember going to a dump with One my folks. One person's trash is another person's treasure. Right. The last time I remember going to a dump with my folks was actually with my first husband. So it was after I was actually married. So I was in the my 20s at that time. So that would have put it at about uh, in the early 60s. You could still go to the dumps. You can still and go to the dumps get in stuff. my lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. And you and to me it was a lot of fun because you could find some cool stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not talking about finding diamonds and yeah, gold sometimes, but, but but you could find some cool stuff. You know, mm-hmm. and and any of you that ransacked dumpsters know what i'm talking about you know which i also used to do when i was a kid used to when (laughs) when we lived in we lived in this little town in washington state when i was about 10 years old and whenever nobody could find me dad say go look up and down the alley (laughs) you'll see two feet sticking out of a dumpster that's her for treasures and my dad actually moved to southern california from washington state Mm -hmm. some um Sample wallpaper sample books. Okay, they used to, uh, when you wanted to buy wallpaper, uh-huh. they didn't have it all over every wall. Right. They had a book and they, and a great big book, like 25 inches square mm-hmm. or so. And you'd open it up and there'd be a piece of, of a design of wallpaper. And right. there'd be hundreds of them in the books. And I always thought they were gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And I hauled all these. I, there was a, a furniture store or something like that. It may have been a paint store. I don't know. And they had these books in their dumpster. And I hauled, I must have had a half a dozen of them. <laughs> I hauled them all home. And I'm going, look, Daddy, aren't these beautiful? You know, and he thought, yeah, right. He actually moved, a paid, paid freight on moving that stuff to Southern California when at the age of 16 or so, I was. We moved to Southern California from Washington State. He never let me forget that. Do you still have I them? paid freight on this. No, I wish I did. Yeah. I wish I did because they are valuable. They yeah. would be valuable because they're historical. Right. But uh, back in the day, they were just, for me, fun. Right. You know. So, yeah, I totally get the storage war thing. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's fun to watch. And mm-hmm. I live vicariously through them. You know, I don't care so much about their bidding thing that they've no, got I going on. No, I like to see what and, they find. Yeah, me too. Me too. So I like that show. Well, I'm going to let you guys wrap yeah, things up. Yeah, we're finished. I got to use the little boys. Room. Oh, well, that's okay. We appreciate your mail input from time to time today because <laughs> you helped pull us out of a couple of... Uh, <laughs> pull it, what? You helped pull us out. <laughs> no, I just meant he helped pull us out of a couple of... Uh, Places where we didn't know what we were talking about, and he helped us understand it. So I appreciate that. Yes, and thank you. Thank you for joining us. And how much time have we got left, by the way? A couple minutes. Oh, bye-bye, baby. The baby's going to go help Daddy go potty. Uh, <laughs> probably shouldn't say that. Yeah. Well, anyway, he can always cut that out. He closes the door. Yeah. So anyhow, since we are down to just a couple of minutes, we can let it go. and. Um, Let's see, next show we'll be doing, it'll be close to Valentine's, so we may have a Valentine's theme for our next show. Yes. And then again, we may not, I don't know. Depends on what the mood strikes us. Depends on the mood, yeah. 
Yeah, well, like like I said, the the Grammys were just up on uh, Sunday, and mm-hmm. I recorded it, but I haven't watched the show yet, so I really don't have anything to say and about the Grammys. It was on. I flew through the channels, and I never went back to it. Yeah, well, the only way I watch shows like that anymore, uh, Ernie and I, is is by taping them and then watching them later because, right. uh, first of all, there's so many commercials that I right. can't stand. And then there's a lot of times there are uh, thank you messages that I don't care to listen to. Right. Uh, or sometimes performances I don't care to watch. And so I can zip through those and just pick out the stuff I do want to look at. Right. Which I haven't done yet, but he wanted me to. I was going to actually do it and then throw the discard the mm-hmm. recording, but he called last night from work and he said, "Don't throw it away. There's something on there. Somebody told him at work oh. about." It. And he said, "I want to watch that." And I said, "Okay, whatever." So we still have it to look forward to. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> so, but my newest, my newest favorite shows we'll have to talk about another time uh, is True Detective and oh, and then Helix. We're watching Helix. I was going to mention that when David was out here because. He might like that. It's a little uh, odd, sort of sci-fi kind of. Hmm. Uh, he doesn't watch weird. too much TV. Well, this one is kind of good. It's it's got some good special effects and everything. I don't know. I've only seen two episodes so far. I'm not too sure where the show is going to go. Right. With it, so we'll see. Anyway, um, we'd like to invite any of you who are listening who are interested in doing so to email us anytime. Go to jazelmon.com forward slash jazelpodcast or just go to jazelmon.com and click on the episode, Don't Get Us Started, and then click on the comment section. It'll take you directly to the email where you can let us know what you think about our show. If you can pick out what show it was, this is episode 20, David told us. We've done 20 shows already, hard to believe. Um, and, uh, let us know what your comments are about it, what you like, what you don't like, what you'd like to hear us talk about, if anything. Uh, and we'll happily read your emails on air. If you don't want us to, just say so and we won't. Um, other than that, you got anything else you want to add before we get done? Nope. Nope. Okay, then. We're I good am to go. Ace, S. Sadie Burbank. And I am Lacey Montoya. Thank you for listening to Don't Get Us Started. Good night. Bye-bye. And now for our second show for this week, uh, we are going, um, this one is Saturday Segments number 10, The Creep Show. Special guest host, writer, director, producer, Creep, Creep Creeperson takes the captain's chair for the 10th episode of Saturday Segments and takes us on a journey in into the world of his own, uh, into his world of Indian horror films. Hello, everybody. Um, it's Saturday, so that means you're listening to this. Um, I am Creep Creeperson, uh, writer, director, producer, musician, author, actor, all-around guy that does a lot of stuff. So, um, and today I am going to be your guide. No, I'm just kidding. I'm your host for today. Um, I'm filling in for Larry Walton, and we're going to do a show. And I, I listen to a show, and um, I, I have a podcast uh, called Creepers and Cast, where we talk about a bunch of shit that I like, and um, it's a whole lot of fun, whatever. <clears throat> and so, uh, um, David asked me to come and 
um, do an episode for you guys here to fill in. And um, I listened to the show, and so I kind of have the gist of the format. And so for those of you who are used to listening to this show, I'm going to try to stick to that as much as possible just to kind of give you the same kind of vibe that you're used to. Um, That song you heard, uh, Dead Girls Not Dead, that's um, from my band, Creeperson, off of our album, Faster Creeperson Kill Kill, If You Liked It. Yay! The great thing about being in your own band is that you can play your own songs on your show and don't have to worry about nothing like that. So, um, that's kind of cool. So, I got my cup of coffee. I got my cigarettes. I am ready to do this. So, let's dive into the world of Hollywood and kind of go over what's new and maybe some gossip even, if you're into gossip. Let's be into gossip for today. Whether you are or you're not, let's just have fun right now um, looking at the the lives of these people that we pay good money to look at and say funny stuff about. So, let's, let's first... No, you're right, me. <laughs> we are going to talk about stuff that is so freaking important, it's going to make your head spin. Did you guys know that Ben Affleck shaved his beard hours after winning the Oscar for Best Picture. That is shocking. Shocking, I tell you. For this early in the morning, that is that is just shocking. I don't know how I feel about that. Let's see what else here. Um, let's see. We oh, Did you know that Whoopi freaking Goldberg smoked pot before her Oscar speech? That is shocking. I'm shocked. Let's see what else the good people at TMZ have to talk to me about. That will be probably old news by the time um, we're listening to this here. Um, Today, this day in history, okay, um, Lucy Lawless was arrested in New Zealand last year. I wonder what for. Don't really care enough to check into it, but I'm sure it was shocking. Let's see. Paula Dean drunk on the Today Show? That's crazy talk. But, I mean, the biggest news today is that Kim Kardashian's sex tape master almost perished in a fire. That is shocking. What would we do if we didn't have the master tape of her sex tape? I mean, it's not like it's on every freaking website you've gone on. I mean, I'm assuming that none of us look at that kind of smut. So none of us would know where her sex tape is online. for Anywhere for free to $29.99. Not that any of us know anything about that. So, 
That was a whole lot of good gossip. Oh my gosh, did you know there is evidence now that Surrey Cruz has a tiny body double? Shocking. Shocking. I will say it one more time for those of you who didn't hear me. Shocking. Now, that was a whole lot of fun, and I was being silly. So, um, yay for silliness. Let's see here. Ooh, identity theft. Number one at the box office, huh? $14 million. It's pretty crazy. Didn't think that that movie would beat out everything else. Huh? What do you know? Let's see, any good stuff from the Oscars? Not really. On imdb.com, there's a bunch of pictures of people holding stuff. And pointing at stuff and wearing dresses. Well, anyway, opening this weekend, um, let's see what we got here. Jack the Giant Slayer. I saw something about that. There's a lot of billboards. I'm in uh, North Hollywood, California, by the way. So there are an enormous amount of billboards for every damn thing that's on. We got 21 and Over, Stoker, Phantom, A Place at the Table, The End of Love, uh, The Lost Medallion, The Adventures of Billy Stone. Uh not under not knowing these things here. Um, but there is a movie coming out that kind of falls along um, my neck of the woods. If you know or don't know anything about me, I, uh, I, I mainly make horror movies, low-budget horror flicks. Um, I try to branch out and do other little things here and there. But for the most part, I do horror movies. And there's a movie coming out here called The Last Exorcism Part 2. I am going to give this movie a new tagline called Kinda Redundant Title. <clears throat> I'm confused here. If it was The Last Exorcism in Part 1, what could possibly be going on in Part 2 to make this Last Exorcism more last than the last one? Now, some of you might be scratching your head and say, Well, Creep... It's the last one, so it's more the last exorcism than the first last exorcism. And I would say, on wordplay, yes, you are right. The new last exorcism would be the last last, more last than the first last exorcism. So now do we have to think about the title of the first last exorcism and say maybe we should change the title of the first last exorcism to maybe the second to the last exorcism or almost the last exorcism or possibly the exorcism that happens right before the last exorcism. That's actually my favorite title. I think we're going to go with that one. So I don't know if you like that movie. Um, I, I wasn't the hugest fan of it. There's a lot of times in movies when you're like, and I know you do it too, you're like, you, you're watching it and you're like, turn around! Or run the other way! 
or get out of like you're just it's called I'm yelling common sense at you you fool why don't you get it and it's this whole suspension of disbelief thing it's the whole theory that yeah if they would have killed Gilligan on Gilligan's Island they would have been off the island in about six hours but then we wouldn't have a show so Apparently you need stupid people doing stupid things in order to make stupid things happen that are entertaining and fun to watch. So, whatever. It's all good. Um, This week, I have been watching um, a lot of Jalo films. And if you are not familiar with Jalo, the subgenre of horror films, um, it it was mainly a big... um, thing in the 70s in Italy. Um, People like uh, Dario Argento and Mario Bava and Fulci and guys like that uh, were making these movies that were kind of, I don't know if they were necessarily based on them, but the idea of Jalo was based on these kind of trashy pulp mystery novels that were really popular in Italy, and they were called Jalo because Jalo means yellow, and these books always had yellow covers, so they called them Jalos. And, um, but it's basically a really over-ridiculous murder mystery that is no better, honestly, than an episode of Scooby-Doo or Matlock or Murder, She Wrote or something like that. It's actually a lot less involved, but, um, you know, they have these things. But a lot of the things in the Jalo film, besides the story and plot, because, honestly, they kind of throw caution into the wind when it comes to plot on those deals, is, uh... Um... They're very artistic in the way they're shot, and tip like especially with Argento movies in the seventies. Um, stylistically, they look amazing, and they're uh, especially with Argento movies too. There's this band um, Goblin that scored his films back in the day that were just Goblin's great. And if you, there's a movie. That um, and I talked about this on Creeperson Cast on the last episode, but um, there is a movie that Argento did in the early '80s called Tenebrae, which is about this uh, writer who writes mystery novels from New York. He goes to Italy on a book tour, and when he gets there, um, somebody's killing people in Italy. Um, kind of in the ways that they were killed in his book, but then he's using pages of the book to give them clues as to who's doing it, and he's ripping pages of the book out and shoving them in the people's mouths after he kills them and everything. It's actually a really, really good movie. It's my favorite Argento movie. and um, But the score that Goblin does to it, I mean, it is, it is just ridiculous. You know what? I don't know if I'm allowed to do this or not on here, but... I'm going to play just like the opening measure of the Tenebrae theme on my phone for you guys. Because it's if you haven't heard it, it it's amazing. It, it, you'll just, it, I mean, it sounds really weird and it's definitely 70s, you know, like Moog kind of stuff here. But it's good stuff. So here is...
kind of fun. It's super offbeat. It's kind of cool. Okay, that's enough of that awesome song. But, like, if you're familiar, uh, if you guys saw uh, the original Dawn of the Dead, the George Romero movie, um, you'll recognize some of this stuff. Goblin did the score for that, too. This is a good one. Hell yeah. So anyway, um, Goblin's great, and um, I, I really just, I love Goblin, and when I'm making movies and um, we're doing location scouting, I typically listen to Goblin while we're in the car going there, because I get all excited, and definitely the first day of a shoot, I'm in the shower in the morning, and I listen to that song right there, just to like get me amped up and ready to go for the shoot, but, um, so anyway, so... Uh, I was watching a lot of Argento movies because I'm about to go into production on a film called Satanicus, which is kind of like my version of a Jalo film. And, uh, so I'm just doing a lot of research right now. Um, watching as many, like last week I watched a ton of Mario Bava stuff like Bay of Blood and Hatchet for the Honeymoon. And, uh, what else did I watch last week? I don't remember, I can't remember the titles off the top of my head. I don't know, just, just was watching a lot of stuff like that. And, um, so that's kind of fresh on my mind right now. So, like, um, if you're interested in some good Argento stuff, uh, most people are going to point you straight away to Suspiria and Inferno. Those are really good movies, kind of. Like, they're beautiful. Like, you can't you can't take anything away from them artistically. But when it comes down to, like, brass tacks on, like, is this story plausible? Does it make sense in any world at all? I mean, is this going to work? Chances are no. If you're a fan of film for awesome stories, then do not watch an Argento movie. If you're into film for the visuals and you want to see something amazing and have a really good time watching it, go get Suspiria, get Inferno, get Tenebrae, get um, The Bird with the, the Crystal Plumage. Awesome. That, that movie's probably one of the better ones. And uh, Deep Red. And some people would argue Phenomenon and Opera. I'm not going to. But um, though those movies are just amazing to look at. Like, they're just breathtaking. I don't know what it was, but the colors and the architecture um, and the places. Argento picks amazing places to shoot at. Does he pick amazing ways to tell a story? Absolutely not. But if you just want to see something amazing, then definitely check out his stuff. As far as uh, movies that have come out recently, um, I can tell you about one of mine. Um, we did a film called Brides of Sodom, and it was released uh, a couple weeks ago by a company called Media Blasters. Um, it's on DVD uh, everywhere. It's supposed to be playing in limited release in some theaters across the country, but I don't know where, so, and I don't know where you are listening to this, you could be in Mozambique, 
and looking for a movie theater, and I wouldn't know where to tell you to go. But um, what Brides of Sodom is, it's kind of like a post-apocalyptic uh, vampire kind of sci-fi horror flick. Um, but honestly, uh, the producers kind of recut the movie a little bit, and now it's more of a romance film, and a lot of the horror... I believe is pretty much out of it. So, um, it's still got some cool kills and some blood that's out of control and crazy. Um, but it, the thing about the movie that is getting attention for it is that there is a lot of bisexuality in it. And before you get all excited thinking I'm talking girl on girl action all the time, there is that, but there is a, um, love affair between these two guys in it. And we have been getting a lot of, uh, pretty positive buzz over it because I guess it's not something you see in a lot of vampire movies. So, um, that's kind of cool. So if you don't mind a little dude on dude, then you will probably enjoy Brides of Sodom quite a bit because a lot of the reviews that we've been getting for the movie, are talking more about how hot the movie is than how uh, how the story is. So um, that wasn't my intent, but that's what happened, and that's kind of the punches we roll with when we're not financing the films ourselves. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that should be... Uh, it's available everywhere. You can get it on Amazon and... Uh, in stores, in most stores. Um, and if they don't have it in the store and you really want to see it, uh, most stores can just order it directly from the distributor, or you can probably get it from the distributor. See, Media Blasters is the distributor, so it should be there. So I think what I'm going to share with you guys here uh, is a little bit about me <clears throat> and uh, what I do and what I've done and Maybe it could inspire some of you to do some stuff, too. Um, basically, I don't know if this is common knowledge or not, or if I'm even supposed to be talking about it. So if I'm not, Producer Dave could take care of this. But um, my father, actually, is uh, Terry Shear of the Shear Darkness podcast that's also on this site. Um so I was around horror and around creativity quite a bit as a kid and um, grew up playing just a ton of music. I've been in all kinds of bands my whole life. And uh, in my early 20s, I was in, I started this uh, kind of horror punk, horror rock, shock rock, goth rock band called Creeperson. And uh, that band, it, 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 like, you heard it at the beginning of the show, but it's kind of like a Alice Cooper meets Misfits meets other kind of stuff, kind of shock rock kind of crap. So, um, we started making music videos and from the music videos, I started making short films and then, um, I was approached by a distributor who was, we were about to sign a deal with, um, and putting our, we had a record label at the time and they were going to start taking over our distribution channels and they were starting a film division and asked me if I would be interested in making a movie for them 
And long story short, I made a feature called uh, Creep Creeperson's Frankenstein that uh, happened. And it, it was a little, little movie, cost almost nothing to make. And, I mean, you could tell the budget's really tiny. But it's a... Uh, it's a really cool movie. And so, from that, kind of made that as a one-off thing, not knowing exactly what would happen after that. And then I made uh, some more short films, a web series called Decomposing Jack. And then uh, in 2008... Um, I made my second feature, which is uh, OC Babes in the Slasher of Zombie Town, which was honestly pretty awful. You know, it's it's a it's a bad film. And um, on the last episode of the Creeperson cast, I did I went into a lot of detail on the making of and the reception it got and all that other jazz. So if you want to go back and ever hear that, go to creepersandcast.com and you can hear all that kind of stuff. But anyway, so moving on, um, I started making movies kind of, kind of one after another. I went from making a movie in a year to making three movies in a year to making nine movies in a year. And, um, it's kind of been like that ever since. And, I, I basically do horror or kind of cultish kind of stuff, like exploitation, um, just whatever tickles my fancy or whatever I get hired to make. Um, I, I usually get hired to make pretty straightforward horror flicks. Um, in fact, the last one I did, we did a remake of the Bella Lugosi movie White Zombie, and uh, that was a lot of fun. It was really stressful um, trying to make a remake that is kind of true to the original. Because um, typically when I... Because last year I made a Dracula movie that really doesn't have a whole lot to do with Dracula. And when I made my Frankenstein movie, that has nothing to do with Frankenstein. It's just a good title. But... Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of cool. It's a lot of fun. Um, we still do the music. Uh, we have a new album coming out this year called Creeperson Go Home that's going to have a, uh, a DVD, a companion DVD with it that's a documentary of the American tour we did um, in 2011, and that's called Reanimated Roadkill. And um, if you want to find out anything about me again, you could just go to um, probably creeperson.com or just if you are on Twitter at creeperson. Um, but as films go, I got into, I, I was a kid in the eighties. So the horror movies that I was seeing, they were very taboo and very, um, deep in the sense of gore and sex and all that stuff. And as a prepubescent kid, I'm like just a kid in a candy store, like looking at all uh, the slasher movies and all this stuff going on. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It's like, uh, I couldn't get enough of it, you know? But as time went on, I started kind of falling in love with a lot of the... Uh, old universal classic monsters and stuff. And, um, I would be, you know, on Saturday mornings I'd get up and I would watch 
little bit of cartoons, and then I would watch the Munsters and the Three Stooges and Adam's Family and stuff like that. So the black and white wasn't a big thing for me. Like, my kids won't watch black and white shit to save their life. Like, uh, although my daughter really likes Young Frankenstein a lot. So, yay, we did good there. But, um... I really enjoyed it, and I don't know what it was about uh, Frankenstein, but Frankenstein was just, like, the greatest thing ever to me. And, like, I think, like, three or four years in a row on Halloween, I was some different form of Frankenstein every year. I don't know if it was just the whole uh, misunderstood monster and I felt like no one really got me or anything like that, but... I just really, really connected with the Frankenstein character and started watching um, those movies like the, the the James Whale Frankenstein with Boris Karloff and Bride of Frankenstein. And then when VHS started kind of picking up steam and I think it was the early 90s, uh, Universal and MCA uh, released the Universal Studios Classic Monsters collection and they, I'm sure you remember the boxes if you were watching VHS tapes in the early 90s, but they, all the boxes kind of looked the same, but they had artwork that was different than the posters for the original films. But I mean, they had the whole Frankenstein series now. They had like Ghost of Frankenstein, Son of Frankenstein, Frankenstein meets Wolfman, House of Frankenstein, House of Dracula. Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Um, they had the Invisible Man, Invisible Man Returns, Invisible Agent. They had, uh, like, Dracula's daughter, son of Dracula. They had the Mummy, the Mummy's Hand, the Mummy's Tomb, the Mummy's Curse, um, the Mummy's Ghost. It was just, like, it was, it was madness to try to collect all those VHS. And they were, they were fourteen ninety eight suggested retail, if you remember the little trailer they would show at the beginning of each movie talking about it. And through those, I started getting into some silent movies. Like Nosferatu and Cabin and Dr. Caligari. Which, if you haven't seen those movies, those two right there are just classic staples. I mean, Nosferatu, obviously, for obvious reasons. But Cabin and Dr. Caligari, that is just... It's a German Expressionism film, and it is amazing. Like, all the lighting that's used in that movie was just painted on the sets, and it, it's it's very surreal. It's, it's a lot of fun, and you'll notice if you watch it, you'll watch it and notice how many times you've seen those gags used in other movies that you've seen. And it'll blow your mind. So, from there, obviously, if I'm watching silent movies like that, I'm going to go back to Universal, since that's where I started. So, I'm watching, like, Hunchback of Notre Dame and uh, Phantom of the Opera, and I was introduced to Lon Chaney. And it was, like, mind-blowing. Like, Lon Chaney is, or was, just amazing. And the man of a thousand faces. And he could come up with these crazy makeups and he had so much he was the perfect silent film star I mean he could go through so many transformations in his face like if you uh, the guy who directed uh, Dracula and he also did a movie called Freaks 
Uh, it's a guy named Todd Browning. And he did a lot of movies in the silent era with Lon Chaney. And one in particular is one of my favorite movies. It's called The Unknown. And in this movie, um, Lon Chaney is like a knife thrower at some sideshow. Like, he throws knives with his feet. And um, he's he's actually like a fucking, uh, what do you call it, like a, a, a criminal on the run. And he's convinced these people at this sideshow or whatever that he doesn't have arms, but he does have arms. And he falls in love with this girl who's also at the sideshow or whatever, and she's the girl that he throws knives at or whatever. And um, he falls in love with her, and it's... I, I, it gets to a point where he has to actually not have arms or else she's going to get found out. So because he digs this chick so much, he uh, gets his arms... Uh, I'm not going to ruin the movie for you. It's awesome. But the expression on his face, like his emotions go up and down and up and down. And you don't get that now. You know, like... Yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis is an amazing actor, and he could pretty much go to a salad bar at a Sizzler and win an Oscar, okay? Great for him. I'm really happy. He's good. I'm not going to take anything away from him or anything like that, but um, he ain't no Lon Chaney. We'll, We'll just say it like that. I don't know how you feel about that, but that's what I just said, so we'll kind of stick with that. Now, as far as, uh, movies go lately, um, again, my expertise is in the horror genre. Um, I really am not a huge fan of horror movies right now. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that we are in a, a low point in not just horror movies, but in cinema, period. Um, you had your heyday in the 20s and 30s, and, like, again, 1939 was the year that made Hollywood. Like, if you look, <clears throat> like, just type in, like, movies of 1939 in Google, and some of the most legendary films of all time came out in 1939. And that was pretty much the end of the golden age of Hollywood. And at that point, Hollywood kind of got the formula down. They kind of figured what made money and what didn't. And they just started the cookie cutter regime and started cranking out crap, not really caring what it looked like. So much so that by the late 50s, early 60s, if you went to a movie theater, and again, I'm not saying this because I know because I was there, I'm saying it because of just stuff I've researched and stuff, but if you went to a movie in the late 50s, early 60s, chances are all you would see is some movie where a bunch of really good old-fashioned, like, church-going 
kids are going to a weenie roast at the beach and they're going to dance to some music and start singing to one another. And it was just so lighthearted. And, and I mean, there is a time and a place for that, but when that's the majority of what's being pumped out, it gets kind of old. So, uh, you have a couple things that changed at that period, um, that really turned everything around, which was you had the end of the production code that ruled what you could and could not do with an iron fist. And they changed to the MPAA and to the rating system. And as much as I don't like the rating system, it's a hell of a lot better than the production code was. And, um, so now you're giving, instead of, Instead of Hollywood judging movies and saying, this is okay for people to see, this is okay for people to see, this is not okay for people to see, now we have a rating system which says, if you're not 17, you're not going to see this movie. But if you're, you know, a kid, you know, your parents might want to talk to you about some of this stuff, um, or, like, this is general for anybody. Anyone can go see this movie, and it'll be super. Because before the MPAA, basically every movie had to have a G rating in order to come out. And if it didn't, it didn't come out. And if it did come out, and then people started asking questions, or with, with Freaks is the example, Freaks comes out, and everyone goes through the roof and then all of a sudden it's banned everywhere. And that killed Todd Browning's career. But, um, so anyway, so the, the MPAA happens in the sixties. So that's great. And then another thing happens called Vietnam and what Vietnam did. Vietnam changed how everything happened because that was the first time that you had cameras. And a lot of you listening to this might already know this and I'm, and you and you were there, and you're like, yeah, I already freaking know that, dude. Shut up. So, but basically, for those of you who don't know, uh, what happened with Vietnam is that this was the first time that there were cameras in a war, and you could take pictures and run television footage of what goes on in war and what horrible atrocities are happening. So, at this point, the American public now doesn't have the production code telling them what they can and cannot see, and now is seeing real-life horrors and real-life just tragic disgustingness. People are getting drafted and going off. Their brothers, their loved ones, you know, like their friends are just, like, disappearing. Okay? People were a little like, yeah, Beach Blanket Bingo isn't for me right now. I'm a little on the side, I needed something a little stronger. That seltzer water isn't going to cut it anymore. I need some whiskey. It was that kind of mentality. And um, so the 70s was really, the late 60s and the 70s was really the heyday of cinema, uh, according to me. I don't think there has been a time before or since where... The studios didn't know what the hell to do. They weren't making any money, but all these independent movies were. And these independent movies were kind of raw. And a lot of these studios were giving giant budgets at the time to relatively unknown people to do whatever the hell they wanted to do. And they'd figure out a way to market it later. 
So you have just all of these insane movies coming out. Everything from Last House on the Left to Texas Chainsaw Massacre to Harold and Maude to Godfather. You know, you have all of these amazing movies, you know, and your Chinatowns and all this other stuff. And it's just like, uh, it was a really amazing time for film. Okay. Now, Hollywood's starting to pick up on what the trends are. Hollywood's starting to pick up on what people are liking and what they're not liking. What's too far, what's not too far. And they um, take us into the 80s. Now, the other thing that happened once we got into the 80s that um, really changed a lot of what was going on was the advent of people being able to have uh, VCRs in their home. So now people could go into a store, hold a movie in their hand for the first time ever, and take it home with them and watch it as many freaking times as they want. And I don't know if you remember this, but when videotapes first came out, those things cost a lot of money. They were like a hundred bucks if you wanted to buy a copy of some freaking movie or whatever. So it was kind of a trip. And um, during that time... Again, Hollywood didn't know what to do. They were still pouring uh, tons of money into big movies, and then the big movies would come out on videotape, and we would see how those would do. Now, there were a few companies that said, you know what, let's kind of forget trying to get our movies in theaters because that costs way too much because it costs a lot of money to get your movie to play in a theater back, especially back in the eighties because you had to buy the film stock and you had to have reels at which are hundreds and hundreds of feet of film. So many of them to every different shop here, there and everywhere um, to have it be played in these theaters. So a lot of times the amount of money it costs to make a movie wasn't was almost less than how much it costs to um, have a movie be in a theater. So then, what you had were these these studios that were like, "Let's just make something low budget, not spend a whole lot of money on it, but have a cool title and a really awesome box." And let's see how that goes. Let's see what we could do. And um, a lot of these companies started flourishing. And in the late 80s, the the heyday of the video store, I mean, these people were making a killing, okay? Um, Not as much as they would in the years to come, but comparatively speaking, a lot of these companies... VHS saved them because they could not keep up with Hollywood and they could not keep up with um, the theatrical film. So then the 90s roll around and it's just getting worse. They're making crappier movies for less money, no stars in them, no nothing. And then the mid-90s hit and we have a little something called um, digital video late to mid to late nineties. And, um, so people were making these DV movies. And now as soon as you got rid of film, the cost of making a movie became almost nothing compared, comparatively speaking, of course. And, um, the movies looked like crap because digital video was not, and still really is. I mean, HD video is a lot 
better and all that other stuff. But DV has always looked like crap. And um, these companies were making crap, and they didn't care because all they had to do was have a title called, like, Chainsaw Virgins in Heat or something like that, and some hot chick holding a chainsaw wearing a nightie or a bikini or something, and they're going to sell out of 3,000 units in pre-sales, you know? So they don't give a crap, you know? And um, and especially if they got a girl to take her top off in it, I mean, no one's going to come back and say, yeah, that movie was awful, I'm never going to watch it again. They're going to say that movie kind of sucked, but they're going to buy it and show it to their friends so they can see the girl with the titties. And that's just kind of how things go. So that happened, and then when the internet came out and all of the different ways that you could show stuff, I mean... YouTube and all this other stuff, and Netflix now coming in, and Hulu and Roku, Hollywood, independent people, nobody knows what is going to happen, but it the next big wave hasn't happened yet, and I'm guessing about two, three years tops before we have a renaissance of cinema, whether it's in a movie theater or whether it's on your computer. We haven't had the... Because, I mean, now anyone could go out and buy a camera. People could go out and buy uh, a Red Epic or an Alexa or any of these really amazing cameras that they're shooting, like, Skyfall on. Like, anybody could go out and get that camera. It's not as much as you would think it is. And just because you buy that camera doesn't mean you know how to make a movie or doesn't mean you even know how to use the camera. But people are getting by on the fact that they have expensive cameras even though they don't know what the hell they're doing. So, because at least back in the 70s and the early 80s when people made crap movies, they knew how to operate the camera. They knew how to light a set. They knew... They knew composition. They understood these things. And so, because the modern-day filmmakers don't know that stuff, because a lot of them didn't have to work with film ever, they just don't know any of this stuff. And so, movies... Like, I know that a lot of you who watch independent film, and especially independent horror movies, because those are the easiest to make, because they're the easiest to get distributed. Anyone can make a horror film, and someone will put it out. Um, it's just how it is. Like, if you were making an indie drama or an indie romantic comedy, yeah, it's going to be a little harder to get that put out. You're going to have to really at least have some really strong actors in it. But, I mean, independent horror movies, I mean, anybody can do it. Whether they can do it good is a whole other story. And for those of you who watch a lot of it, I'm sure you have sat through an enormous amount of crap just to find that one good movie. And it's almost to a point probably where it's not even worth watching all that crap just to find that one good movie. But we still try and we are still hopeful that someday all of this will turn around. And that is what we call a giant rabbit trail that had nothing to do with what I started talking about. So, um, so yeah, there's that. But um, I'm going to... talk a little bit about some other stuff I'm working on right now. Um, We're doing something right now called the Revenge of Awesome, or the Slate of Awesome 
or to the 2013 state of Austin. Last year, we did this experiment, let's say, where I'm like, okay, we're going to make five movies this year. We're going to basically have no money to do it, but we're going to hope we get it. And we are going to make these movies, and that's just how it goes. And so I did a Japanese girl gang-influenced movie called Awesome Girl Gang Street Fighter. I did a horror exploitation movie called Gritty. Um, I did my Dracula movie. It's called Creep Creeper Since Dracula. I did a um, reality show spoof movie called Paranormal Ghost Hunters Case Files Bam the Ghost. Um, and then I did a slasher movie called Fork You about a guy who kills people with forks. And it's super tongue-in-cheek and kind of campy. Um, and we got it done. We did it. We shot all the movies, and now they're in post, and they're getting ready to... The trailers are going to start coming out here pretty soon. And a lot of the people who were involved, it was a lot of crowdfunding, and it was a lot of people just word of mouth talking about it on Twitter and Facebook and all that other stuff. So, uh, we decided we were going to do it again this year. So this year we're doing the revenge of awesome. Um, and we're doing a Jalo inspired film. We're doing a film noir black and white kind of film. We're doing a gay gangster action comedy um, we're doing a, a romance film, and we're doing a sci-fi thriller. So here are the titles of these movies. Our Jalo film is called Satanicus, and um, it's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a Jalo. It's going to be really moody, a lot of lights. They're all different colors and a lot to do with the devil and stuff like that. Um, then our uh, film noir type film is called A Woman Troubled, and it's about a girl who, uh, after getting abused, kills her husband and then doesn't know what to do with the body, and the cops start snooping around, uh, trouble ensues. Um, then we're doing the, uh, the gay action movie is called Murderous Assholes, and um, it's kind of like Pink Flamingos for all you John Waters fans. It's kind of like Pink Flamingos meets Reservoir Dogs uh, by way of Ruthless People, if you remember that movie from the 80s uh, with Bette Midler, and uh, it, it was pretty funny. And um, then our, ro- our like romantic film, it's kind of dark still, it's called Romance Macabre, and um, it's just about two really awkward, awkward people kind of falling in love in their little love story. And then finally, my sci-fi thriller is called um, The Visible Man. Not The Invisible Man, but The Visible Man. He does an experiment that makes the whole world invisible but him. So it's a, it's kind of a silly idea, but we're going to try to make it super suspenseful and uh, super frightening. So it's kind of like Omega Man if he was surrounded by a bunch of invisible people. (laughs) So anyway, if you want to be a part of this, if you want to be in the movies, if you want to work on the movies, if you want to 
um, just help with the crowdfunding. If you want to just spread the word about it and you want some IMDb credits, um, like special thanks or producer, or if you want to throw some money at it and be a producer, you can do that too. Um, all you got to do is either contact me directly at creeperson at gmail.com. That's C R E E P E R S I N at gmail.com. Or you could go to the Indiegogo page, um, which is our crowdfunding page at indiegogo.com slash revenge of awesome. And you could find out more, um, find out how to get at least your special thanks credits and, um, all that fun stuff. Now, now my, uh, band, uh, Creeperson, um, we have a new album coming out later this year. Uh, it's called, uh, Creeperson Go Home. And, um, we are going to play for you one of the tracks from the album right now. So hopefully this is something that you're interested in checking out. Um, it's called I So Whore. It's kind of a funny play on words from a situation that occurred while we were on tour, um, late in 2011. So here it is. I so whore. You so whore. We so whore. I'm I so whore. You so whore. We so So horror <laughs> from our upcoming album. Hope you liked it. Um, I'm sure that's not what you normally hear on this show, but um, I'm just giving you a taste of what's going on over here. So um, there's that. And then the last thing, really, that I'm going to share with you guys 
is um, I did a web series in 2010 called MKC Monster Killers Club, and it was a silly, silly little show about a guy who started a monster hunting club when he was in third grade, and now he's all grown up in his 30s, and he's the only member left, and he's still trying to take his craft seriously and all this stuff. And um, so he hires a documentary uh, filmmaker to follow him around to try to boost his business and whatnot. And craziness ensues. So it's a, it's a comedy show um, that has a lot of monster kind of stuff in it. And um, we are finally putting the first season out on DVD. And so, on my YouTube page, youtube.com slash creeperson, I started a, uh, I, I started putting clips of the show up, because after they, the show had its original run, it kind of, it, it was taken down, um, from the website it was up on. So, if you go to my YouTube page there, um, there are two clips up now. One is the opening title sequence, which has my band Creeperson's song, Sigler's Suicide, um, and I play the lead douchebaggy guy in it, uh, Abercrombie Von Hausen. Um, and it's kind of, it's kind of silly. And then the second clip we put up, is called, um, it's a clip called Grass Circles, taken from the first episode, and it's just, it's silliness, and, um, it, it, the DVD is going to come out a little later in the year, but we have a lot of clips, and we're going to be putting them up every week, um, that kind of just highlight little goofy, silly bits that go on on the show. So make sure you go and check that out. And if you're interested in any of the music I make or the movies I make or the the books I write or whatever uh, you want there, if you go to um, the new our new store, uh, creepsmart.com, uh, C-R-E-E-P-S-M-A-R-T, it's the Creeperson Superstore, where you can get all things Creeperson, or you could just Google me and get your Creeperson crap anywhere else, like iTunes or Amazon or Best Buy or Fry's or wherever you shop to get uh, whatever you get. What, what do they say on the commercials? Wherever quality something are sold. I don't know. But, uh... You can find all of uh, my stuff there, and it's being updated with new merchandise, posters and stickers and patches and pins and um, movie memorabilia from my movies that have come out and whatnot um, and all that other stuff. Also, in May, um, a really kind of epic movie for me anyway uh, that we made called Orgy of Blood. Um, is coming out uh, courtesy of Breaking Glass Entertainment, and it's it's kind of like Caligula meets Eyes Wide Shut. And some of you might be thinking, "Well, that's really not much different," but it it kind of is. Uh, it's it's a vampire movie, and it's I think the last gothic-y vampire movie of mine that'll be coming out for a while. <laughs> so, um, I had a run there where all I was making was vampire movies, because that's all anyone was hiring me to do. So, um, 
But yeah, it's got an all-star cast of B-movie legends, and uh, it's just, it's very erotic and very weird. So, be on the lookout for Orgy of Blood. Brides of Sodom's out now, um, if you want to take a look at that. And, um, again, if you want to, if you enjoyed listening to me gab, um, creepersandcast.com, uh, I'll be doing that. And, um, hopefully the show will be back to normal soon here and you will be, um, right back where you normally are. And I just really, really, really want to thank all of you for taking the time and taking a chance with me. How's that song go? I don't know. Some song from a long time ago about taking a chance with somebody. You did it. And I hope we're all a little bit, uh, wiser for it. I'm sure I am. This was definitely something I wasn't expecting to do, and I'm glad I did it. It was a lot of fun. So, um, I don't know. I guess that's it. So, just take care, everybody, and um, have a good week, and I'll talk to you soon. Now for our last show of the uh, of Flashback Friday for this episode. Uh, we are going to uh, walk into Sheer Darkness number 40, Herotica in the Whale. This week, Terry and Dave revisit uh, an old, uh, old online magazine that used to run called Herotica and peek into some past articles from Barbara Bucali's Rancid Recipes. Afterwards, they talk about the, the amazing life of James Whale. Greetings, everyone. I am Terry D. Shearer. And I am David K. Montoya. I bid you welcome to another episode of Sheer Darkness. In fact, this is our 40th episode of Sheer Darkness. That's incredible. I honestly, I wasn't sure when you first started if you were going to like doing podcasting. I, I, I wasn't sure either. I wasn't sure either. I, I thought, seriously, I thought podcasting was, was a silly idea but uh i've discovered it's you know a lot of fun most of the time and uh people seem to like it so yay yes <laughs> okay so, so we're, right here. so <laughs> go ahead what no i was gonna say if you take this plus the news views and reviews you've done a total of 80 podcasts right that's Quite a bit. That's actually about a year's worth already. Well, no, it's well, more than more than a year's worth. Yeah, if you count them forty at a time or eighty at a time, but it doesn't matter. <clears throat> yeah, I do. I, I do. For those who aren't aware, I do two podcasts a week: the Sheer Darkness, and I also do uh, news, views, and reviews with Reaper Rick. So yeah, you you can listen to me twice a week if you are really into uh, masochism. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we do that just for fun. Dave does what four a week or something? Um, let's see, one, two, three. I'm down to three now. Oh, three a week. Just because I haven't done Who's the Boss in quite some time. Ah, right, right. But I am planning on coming back with that. Just okay. I'm building material. Ah, 
you can't you can't just jump in without material. Oh, that's true. Especially with if you do it solo. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know that because I do solo on Reaper Rick usually. Speaking of material, what do we got for this week? Um, actually, as I as I said, I was I was wanting to do. I'm going to uh, go back uh, into Herotica, the magazine. And pull up some stuff that was uh, published, you know, uh, several years ago, actually. Okay, that'll be fun. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar with uh, Herotica Magazine, that was a magazine that I edited and we put out for several years. Yes. Uh, 2000, was it 2007, I think we purchased it. So yeah, it from, went through 2010, 11? Uh, I think December, if memory serves me correctly, it was December 2012 was the last. Oh, okay. Well, at any rate, there are, uh, the magazines are archived, and if you're interested in uh, erotic horror stories, uh, plus very unusual uh, artwork and interesting and provocative articles you can go back to erotica.com and check out the uh, stuff some of the stories were just really amazing very good especially the last year or so because I started accepting stories that were just really really out there so if that's the kind of stuff that interests you please check it out also, if I can jump in sure. and say, if if you are a fan of erotic horror, we actually have an anthology. Oh, true enough, true enough. Uh, the Herotica Anthology. Some of the best stories, yeah, we pulled out and uh, put it into a book, which is available. Uh, you can go to Myth Mart, and that's uh, Myth MythWorks M Y T H W U R K S dot com slash MythMart. Or if you feel more comfortable going to a more broader known store, you can actually go to Amazon.com and purchase it from Amazon. Oh, all right, Amazon. There you go. And that is the Herotica Anthology? It's called the Herotica Magazine Anthology. Oh, the Herotica Magazine Anthology. That's right. Okay. Anyway, excellent. Some excellent, weird, far-out, freaky, sexy stories in that. And some so, good artwork, too. At, oh, that's true. That's true. See, I just, my, my mind is gone. Uh, yeah, we did, uh, Dave Lipscomb did a lot of the cover art and interior artwork for the magazine, and we have a number of his works in the book, and he also did the cover for us. So, yeah, it's a great book. And that was actually your final book editing. Yeah, yes, yes, indeed. I, I did that also that was that guy came out in for halloween yes in, uh, 2012 we really we were really grinding the gears to have it out on halloween day and then we actually accomplished that we got it out on halloween day right that was fun so yeah nice book a lot of really good authors in there check it out so for tonight we're going to go back and one of the uh, one of the articles that uh, one of the sections in the magazine that appeared every month was uh, Barbara Bucolic's rancid recipes. 
and uh, she did eh, well it was just a variety of stuff a lot of a lot of it was uh, seasonal uh, she actually did have some uh, recipes in there periodically uh-huh. the very first issue she did a uh, uh, recipe on how to shrink heads shrunken heads that I remember was, that that was a good one yeah yeah but anyway, um, this issue we're pulling up some stuff on uh, sex, <laughs> shock, yeah. But uh, <clears throat> I'm just going to actually read some of this because it it it, it came out well. Yes, you know, he actually she, busted out his own laptop this time. Yeah, well, yeah. But uh, the rancid recipes was in every issue, I believe. So yes, you can also go back in there and check on that too. Um, anyway, so what does sex have to do with the kitchen? Well, aside from doing it in the kitchen, which some people do, uh, food and the eating of food has always been an erotic event, or it certainly can be if you work it, (coughs) if you work it right. And, uh, that's after all what aphrodisiacs are for, and they are named after the Greek goddess Aphrodite who is the goddess of sexual love and of beauty. Now, ancient people believed in the so-called law of similarity, which means that an object which resembles genitalia may possess sexual powers. Really? Uh, well, in this case, we're talking about food. Right, right. Right, right. Okay. So, it, ginseng. Ginseng. Um, most people probably don't see the ginseng root all that much. They usually just get the bottles of it right. or something. But if you go to uh, a lot of you know whole food stores or whatever, they have the actual root as it comes out of the ground. And ginseng means man root because it its appearance resembles the human body. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, mandrake. Ooh. Mandrake root is another one that uh, resembles the human body. And this doesn't have, well, it does sort of have something to do with sex. But mandrake root was supposedly usually found beneath gallows or hanging trees. Uh Uh-huh. Because when uh, men were hanged, they would sometimes ejaculate. And the legend is that where their sperm fell and hit the ground, the mandrake root would grow. I've never heard that before. Uh, well, you don't get around much. <laughs> but, but, yeah, they, uh, the mandrake was supposed to be in the shape of a man as well. In fact, they even used that in one of the Harry Potter movies. Ah, see... And I'm probably going to surprise you, but I've I've yet to see a single any Harry Potter. Yes, movie? no kidding. Them and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, I haven't seen. Jeez, man, oh, you just don't get out at all. <laughs> at any rate, uh, ginseng. Getting back to ginseng, um, has been used as an aphrodisiac in Asia for centuries. Um, it's not especially. But uh, rhino horn, uh, 
We're talking actual rhino horn. Yeah, the horn that grows on the nose of a rhinoceros. Okay. Okay. Uh, many people, including <laughs> myself, thought that rhino horn was also used as an aphrodisiac by Asian men. That's apparently not entirely true. Um, and this this really irritates the hell out of me because poachers, I mean, it's illegal to shoot rhinos anymore because they're almost extinct. Right. But poachers will still go out and they'll kill the rhino just to cut off its horn because they can sell it. And the horn is ground up and used as a medicinal purpose well for medicinal purposes and it's supposed to do everything from cure fevers to uh, cure diarrhea cure vomiting cure headache cure gout you know I mean all all kinds of other ridiculous things and it does none of those things but the rhino is uh, slaughtered just so the horn can be uh, cut off that's nice. The horn itself is made of keratin. It's not bone. It's hair. It's, huh? It's hair. Well, you know, it's actually not hair either. I thought it was hair too. <clears throat> but it's the keratin is the stuff that makes hair. Right. That, that, that is in hair. But it's also the stuff that is in fingernails and hooves and things like that. So, <clears throat> surprisingly... Um, uh, rhino horn is actually high in calcium and phosphorus. And uh, this addition of minerals in a deficient diet, especially a diet that was mostly like rice or something, mm -hmm. could actually um, improve a man's general vigor and... Uh, possibly lead to an increased libido but you can get the same thing in a pill right so oh. there's there's no real reason to um, kill the kill. rhino just, right. just for that um, Aphrodite getting back to your aphrodisiacs Aphrodite was born from the sea and many types of seafood have long been oh. considered to be aphrodisiacs I've heard that yeah Oysters are perhaps the best known of these and can contain a high level of zinc. And, uh, again, men require zinc. Uh, and the mineral could improve the overall health in men whose diets are low in zinc and perhaps lead to an increased sex drive. But by themselves, they're not really <clears throat> an aphrodisiac. Um... A lot of people have heard of Spanish fly. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, when I was a kid, you you know, you heard about going down to Mexico to get Spanish fly or something, which is supposed to just, not even an aphrodisiac, was just supposed to instantly turn girls into nymphos or something. But for one thing, the, the concoction is not even made of a fly at all. It comes from a beetle. Uh, powder of the crushed wings of a green beetle found in southern Europe, mainly Spain, are infused into a potion which is called Spanish fly. Spain from Spain. From right, right. From Spain. And since it's the wings, I guess it's that's where the fly came from. <laughs> oh, makes sense. But uh, 
I don't know. I always thought you were supposed to trinket. But apparently you uh, used it on your genitals, I guess. Because it says the powder actually irritates the genitals. And a moderate dose, it would be if you drank it, of a real Spanish fly can kill a person. Um, while smaller doses can cause fever, painful urination, extreme irritation of the genitals, and a bloody discharge from the urethra. Oh, that's nice. So that's pretty all sexy, isn't it? Yeah. All that good shit going on. That'll make you want to have sex. <laughs> but, on the other hand, uh, a wood called... Anyway, it's called potency wood. <clears throat> comes from the Brazilian rainforest where the bark and roots have been used as an aphrodisiac for hundreds of years. Natives use the stems and roots to treat neuromuscular problems and the plant is prized as a, as a sexual stimulant. The bark is boiled for 20 minutes in alcohol then cooled and drunk. Drank. Swallowed. Consumed. <laughs> I don't know. If you boil it in alcohol and then drink the alcohol, I, I'm not sure whether the wood has any potency value or not. But And what anyway, is that called? Sorry? What is that called? Well, I can't pronounce the real name. It's called Potency Wood from Brazil. Okay. You know, so the next time you're in Brazil, I guess you can check that out. Uh, but believe it or not, the easiest aphrodisiac to obtain, and the cheapest as well, is still one of women's favorites, and that is dark chocolate. Um, yeah, I had a brain fart, but yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, not only is it good, it's good for you. Chocolate <clears throat> is made from coca, which is rich in anti antioxidant flavonoids called flavonols. Studies have shown that people who have high blood levels of flavonols have a lower risk for heart disease, um, lower risk for several kinds of cancers, lower risk of asthma, type 2 diabetes, plus lower oxidation levels of bad LDL, cholesterol, and a higher blood <laughs> antioxidant level of good HDL, cholesterol. Um, so Dove Dark Chocolate is an excellent choice, and you only need about one ounce of dark chocolate a day to make a difference in your body chemistry. And then there's a little recipe here that, uh, she added, and, uh, let's see, what do you say? You fill a mug with one cup of milk and microwave it on medium setting for about one minute. Carefully remove the cup and add two cubes of Dove Dark Chocolate to the milk. Stir gently until the milk melts, then add a dollop of whipped cream and shave a bit of dark chocolate over the top of the whipped cream, and then sip slowly. Candlelight and soft music wouldn't hurt either. <laughs> but, <clears throat> yeah, that's, uh, that's good for you. Seriously good for you. And, uh... <clears throat> now, you like dark chocolate, don't you? Sure. I don't like dark chocolate. You don't that's like one. dark chocolate? No. Dear God, well, no wonder you're not... Healthy? Sexual. 
No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, in fact, I was reading recently that uh, for diabetics, um, dark chocolate and coconut is a good mixture. And I just love Mounds bars, you know, which is just dark chocolate and coconut. Well, see, I'd be fucked because I hate coconut too. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't like coconut, you know, as a mainstay. Um, although it's it's kind of fun to get a coconut at the store and break it open and eat the coconut out of it, you know, that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, uh, Mounds bars, you know, dark chocolate and coconut. That's that's tasty. And it's apparently good for you if if taken in moderation, of course. Okay. And now we can move on from aphrodisiacs to just some elementary sexual facts. Facts. Okay. For instance, male bats seem to have a higher rate of homosexuality than any other mammal. Really? Yes. Wonder why. Don't know. Perhaps it's because they spend so much time hanging upside upside down in pitch dark caves. Okay. That's totally nonsensical, but I don't know. Um, it's yeah. I, I don't know. Nobody knows. I mean, there there's there are lots of bat uh, organizations and stuff on Facebook. You know, they have bats everywhere. I mean, they, you know. Right. Um, but I don't think anyone has really looked into the homosexuality aspect of it. <sighs> what else you got? Oh, nothing. No. <laughs> um, <clears throat> condoms. Uh, the Ramesses condom. It's kind of like, well, it's just like Trojan, except it's named after uh, the great pharaoh Ramesses II who fathered over 150 children in his lifetime. Holy fuck. He did that, too. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. The first couple to be shown together in the same bed on national television was... Oh, I know this one. Oh, really? Yes, let me think about it. Okay. It was the Flintstones. That's correct. It was Fred and Wilma Flintstone. Fred and Wilma Flintstone. And also, at least at that time, the Flintstones was the longest-running animated um, primetime TV show for a long time. Probably until... The Simpsons. And South Park and, you know, whatever else, you know, all those other shows. (laughs) Yeah, they were the first ones to share a bed on TV. And here we have a little... Subject of overkill. Penalty for masturbation in Indonesia is decapitation. Oh, shit. And I'm fairly sure they're not talking about the head of the guy's dick. No. Decapitation. Damn. But isn't Indonesia, isn't that where they go and get crucified like once a year or something like that? They're, they're pretty radical in their beliefs. Religious beliefs. Uh, well, I don't know. If, I'm not sure if that's Indonesia or the Philippines. And you're talking about Christmas time. Yes. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Easter. Or Easter, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, Indonesia has a really high Muslim uh, population. But I, 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 I just don't understand. Then it's probably the Philippines. Yeah, where they would uh, 
chop off some guy's head for masturbating. <laughs> well, anyway, um, at one time, Donald Duck cartoons were banned in Finland because Donald never wears pants. <laughs> <laughs> But, I mean, ducks don't wear pants. No. You know, so I don't know what the big problem would be. They don't go around putting little shorts on all the ducks out there in Finland, do they? Well, that and, and kind of a visually, you know, just a character development kind of thing. He would look stupid with pants. Well, of course he would. Ducks don't wear pants, but then neither do mice. True, true. But Mickey does. But anyway, it's, it's a cartoon for Christ's sake. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's see. Humans and dolphins are the only species that have sex for pleasure. That's it? Interesting. Well, you can't count masturbation as having sex for pleasure because most, <laughs> most primates masturbate. Right. Well, that's what I was thinking was like more along the, like the orangutan... That's what I was thinking. Well, I, I, I guess uh, they masturbate, but they don't necessarily just have sex because it feels good. Interesting. I mean, with another right primate, except for the homosexuals, then they obviously do it for pleasure, since it doesn't matter. <laughs> 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 Okay, what do aphids and triples from Star Trek have in common? You know what an aphid is? No. Oh. Aphids are those little tiny translucent green bugs that suck juice out of roses and stuff. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, the little green guys. <clears throat> aphids and triples. What they have in common is they're both born pregnant. Oh, shit. Yeah. And an aphid can have babies... Ten days after it's born, without ever having meeting another one of its species. Triples, too. That's a drag. <laughs> well, I don't know. <clears throat> um, aphids uh, also are the main food source of ladybugs and ladybug larvae. Okay. Okay. Uh, female ferrets. Talk about a bummer. Female ferrets will die if they go into heat and cannot find a mate. That is a bummer. Wouldn't you think so? Shit. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't. I mean, I know a lot of people not in California, but I know a lot of people have ferrets for pets. <laughs> and if you have a female ferret, and I think of uh, what's her name, the writer, uh, Jesse, Jesse Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she has lots of ferrets. Oh, well, if you have lots of them, I guess it would be okay. If you only had one and it was a female and she went into heat by herself, I guess that would be a sad situation. That's interesting, though. (sighs) Yeah. And let's see. uh, Speaking of fuck, sort of. um, Have you ever wondered where the word fuck originated? Actually, I have. Okay. Of course you have. Well, back in the olden days, when the population of England was seriously depleted due to war, plague, famine, you know, all those things that were uh, typical problems in the Middle Ages, uh, the king issued an official order for his people to replenish the population. 
Thus, the citizens of England were ordered to fornicate under command of the king. F-U-C-K. Interesting. I actually have been told a different story. Well, you know, this is just this is just a story. Right, what was, right. What, what was your story? Uh, what was it? It was uh, the English when they were fighting uh, France. The archers, when the archers would uh, get captured, they would sever the the bow finger where they you know yeah. they grabbed it and and um, when the the English finally came in and, and took over not took over but won the battle with France uh, the archers were saying because it was their plucking fingers well actually it was this finger the middle finger um, they would raise it in victory and say pluck you and which actually has turned into fuck you hmm. That's I don't know where I heard that one from, but yeah, certainly not from me. <laughs> True enough, the uh, the French did cut off the archer's fingers, you know, that they used to pull back on the bowstring. But uh, uh, the story I heard was that when they raised their fingers this way uh, toward you, stood for victory. Okay, that's the way Churchill always showed his fingers right if but when it, in the 70s when it got turned around so the back of your hand was showing with the two fingers up and it stood for peace you know victory and peace, peace. right right uh i don't think that was the fuck you the story though yeah, it was it was a fun story though. yeah <laughs> and in the in the case of size does size really matter it depends on who you talk to i guess Gorillas, the largest primates on Earth, actually have the smallest primate penis at only about two inches long. Hmm. Meanwhile, a blue whale, the largest mammal on Earth, has a penis which can reach a length of eight feet. Jesus Christ. (laughs) So, that would be a big one. Yeah. Relative to body size, the pig really brings home the bacon. In this one, a pig's corkscrew shaped penis can reach 18 inches. And if that wasn't special enough, his orgasm can last up to 30 minutes. Holy hell! Hell, I mean. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. How do they fucking know that? I have no idea. I guess they spent millions of dollars researching this. Fuck, who knows? Be like, hey, George, go over there to the pig. See what happens. Yeah, with, the, with the stopwatch. You know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but let's see. Um, as far as I know, um, the largest penis for size of the creature, because mm-hmm. even though... A, uh, a whale has an eight-foot-long eight, eight, eight penis. I mean, they are just, you know, 100 feet long. Right. But for penis size in regard to body size, I think the flea has the largest penis for its body size. For proportionate. There you go, proportionate to its body size. Really? Yeah, because, uh, you know, if you've ever seen a flea, you know how they have this <clears throat> large hump back. Mm-hmm. And so when the male flea gets on top of the female flea, he's got to reach a stick clear around that big old hump thing and come up underneath it. So his uh, his penis is like 
it's over twice his body length or something. <laughs> ah, well. Anyway. Female bedbug, on the other hand, has no sexual opening on her body. Oh? So in order to propagate the species, the male bedbug must use his curved penis to actually drill a hole into the female's body and just spray his sperm inside her and hope it hits an egg, I guess. <clears throat> wow. And, uh, you know, bedbugs have made a huge fucking comeback in the last decade or so, so they must be doing something right. <clears throat> See, that's a good thing humans aren't like that, because five, ten minutes in, five to ten minutes into it, humans would be like, fuck it. Yeah, it ain't worth the effort. Well, I don't know how long it actually takes to drill a hole into one, but I'm going to try it. <laughs> male snail and slug will slide up next to a female and literally fire his rigid penis into the female's body with such force that the female sometimes dies of shock. Oh, shit. So, being human ain't that rough after all, I guess. Uh, and, of course, the praying mantis, you know, will rip her mate's head off after sex right. if, if he doesn't get away. And the black widow spider will devour her mate following sex if he isn't quick enough to get away. And that has something to do with... Uh, survival of the fittest, you know, the male who can run around and impregnate the most females gets to have his his progeny right around more. But uh so it's actually kind of a good thing, you know, if the guy's a uh you know, just a real dildo then he's gonna get <laughs> killed off and he won't get to have any more kids. So that works out pretty well for them I guess. What about the uh it's a virus. I can't think of it. I want to say it's the mucoi virus where there's actually male, female. And after the male impregnates the female, shortly thereafter, the female actually has a reproductive transformation and turns into a male. What are you talking about? Just some comic book you read or what? <laughs> no, actually I read it in a microbiology book. What do you... What, virus? Yes. They don't have male and female viruses. Yes, they do. Yes. For, for what was it? I think it's mucoi virus. Mucoli? Yes. M. coli, you mean? Yeah. That's the stuff that uh, makes you sick, isn't it? Yes. Well, yeah, it's a virus. Oh, I know, <laughs> but that's the stuff that, like... Uh, well, I never knew viruses had... Uh, um, male and female species. Yes. I think you're incorrect. You have to show me that. I'll have to look. You have to look it up. All right, well, I'm, I, that's all I have for sex right now from uh, Barbara Bucolic. Uh, but, <clears throat> you know, I always wondered what her, how you pronounced her name. Bucolic. Well, now I know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, but I have something else here. Since we had uh, Halloween recently, and uh, 
Oh, by the way, if if you any of you missed our uh, Halloween special, Dave and I did a uh, hour long special on paranormal and strange things that have happened to not only us personally, but to our family members, some of our family members. So, if you missed that, go back and check it out. That was uh, a lot of fun. Yes. But, uh, you know, Halloween has passed, but you never get enough of uh, horror movies and such. And uh, one of the featured articles we had there in Herotica at one time was uh, a semi-biography of James Whale. And for those of you who aren't real familiar with his name, he's he was the director of Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein and The Invisible Man and several, you know, several of the classics. universal classic horror, horror flicks. And uh, James Whale, he was born in July of 1889 in Dudley, England. Um, the 6th of 7th... The 6th of 7 children. And while he did go to school, he was forced to leave early while still a teenager because it was too... It cost too much money for his family to send him to school and he was needed to uh, go to work and bring in extra money for the family. Nice. <clears throat> uh, he was a, a slight, small, slight child, so... Most of his brothers had gone into uh, construction work, heavy industry. Uh-huh. But he was too small. He was considered too small for that kind of work. So, oh my God! Excuse me. I keep making noise. Uh, you got to work as a cobbler. You know, a guy who makes shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would take discarded bent nails from replaced soles. Uh shoe soles and sell them a scrap for extra cash and he discovered uh, that he had a talent for art and he made additional money by lettering signs and price tags for local stores and with this extra income which could not have been very much but it was enough for him to enroll in evening classes at the Dudley School of Arts and Crafts and that's where he learned to make films. No. Or no. No. <clears throat> uh, in 1914, when the war broke out, uh, he knew that it was only a matter of time before he was going to be drafted, so he went ahead and enlisted in the Army. He was 25 years old at the time, and so he was considered to be a good candidate for officer training and was eventually commissioned a second lieutenant in July of 1916 and then a little over a year later he was captured by the Germans in August during the Flanders campaign and was a POW for two years but he made the the most of it because while imprisoned Whale discovered that he had a talent for for staging theatrical productions and he began to produce shows for the guards and his fellow prisoners After the war, uh, he returned to Birmingham and tried to find work as a cartoonist. He did actually manage to sell a couple of cartoons to one magazine in 1919, but he couldn't find steady work in that field. Uh, Later in 1919, he embarked on a professional stage career where Whale worked as an actor, a set designer, a stage manager, and a director. 
1922, he met Doris. Doris Zinkaisen. And the two of them soon became known as a couple, despite the fact that Whale lived as an openly gay man. They were together for two years and were reportedly engaged to be married in 1924, but by 1925 the engagement had fallen through. In 1928, Whale was offered the opportunity to direct two performances of a then-unknown play called Journey's End play took place in the World War I trenches of France. Uh, it was well received and transferred to another theater where it ran for an additional three weeks. Critics and the public loved the play and it was once again transferred to a bigger theater where it ran for an additional two years. His success with Journey's Inn brought Whale to the attention of film producers. So he traveled to Hollywood in 1929 and signed a contract with Paramount Studios. However, he only worked on one picture as a dialogue director before his contract was allowed to lapse. And next he worked on an independent film with Howard Hughes. Really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, Howard Hughes did film. Well, yeah, I knew he did film. Okay, but but I mean... Yeah, and he helped turn a former silent movie version of Hell's Angels into a talkie, working as a dialogue director. And then Whale went back to Chicago to direct another production of Journey's End. In late 1929 and early 1930, he directed a film version of Journey's End to tremendous critical acclaim and commercial success. And in 1931, he signed a contract with Universal Studios. Yay! where he made an important career choice when he decided he wanted to direct a movie called Frankenstein. He picked an unknown actor named Boris Karloff to play the monster. The film was a great commercial success and earned Universal $12 million worldwide. In what, <clears throat> what year was that? 1931, the, the Depression. Damn. It was one, and you know they only charged like a nickel to get in to see it. I was gonna say, yeah. So you know, to make twelve million bucks worldwide is is pretty good. Uh, it was it is one of only a few of Wales' films to remain in the public eye to this day. Even though Whale developed a deep hatred for the Germans during his two years as a prisoner of war and his film career. He was heavily influenced by German movie directors, an influence which can be seen in many of his films, especially those of the horror genre. Interesting. Well, you remember uh, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari? Yes. How weird that was. That was a German film. That was good. And yes. It was, a good, it was a good movie, not so much because... You know, the plot was good, but just because it was so freaking weird. <laughs> yes. You know? And uh, it was, like, way ahead of his time. Oh, let's see. In 33, Whale began shooting The, the Invisible Man from a script approved by H.G. Wells. Um, this film was critically acclaimed and broke box office records again. And again, during the Depression, they made a lot of money off of it. And his next horror film was The Bride of Frankenstein, 
which was lauded as the finest of all gothic horror movies and is still hailed as Wales' masterpiece. i got to watch that again. I've got it on my Netflix list. I just haven't had time to... I haven't watched that in years. Yeah. And actually, uh, Elsa Lancaster only has like... Well, actually, I don't think she has more than a, about two or three lines, and then it's just screaming. Right. She doesn't actually say anything. But anyway... Uh, with Bride of Frankenstein, no, wait, wait. When his film career started to decline in 1937, possibly because he didn't want to make any more horror movies, um, with the exception of The Man in the Iron Mask in 1939, he was delegated to directing B-movies until his contract expired. Frustrated with the film industry politics and backstabbing that went on within the studios, he retired from the film industry in 1941. He directed a few more small and unimportant films after his retirement, including one for the U.S. Army. And he did some stage productions, but never came close to rebuilding his earlier career. By the early 1950s, Whale was depressed and lonely, even though a longtime companion lived with him for many years. 1956, he suffered a small stroke, and a few months later was struck down by a larger and more debilitating stroke. And while in the hospital, he was treated with shock treatments for his depression. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I bet that helped. Yeah. After the dual strokes, Whale became even more depressed. What a surprise. And his mental faculties were noticeably diminishing. By this time, he was relying heavily on drugs to ease his pain during the day and to help him sleep at night. On May 29, 1957... Whale drowned himself in his swimming pool at his house. He was 67 years old. He left a suicide note, but that note was kept secret by his lover until he died many years later. So at the time of Whale's death, it was ruled accidental. Nobody knew it was a suicide until the lover died. And in the note, Whale explained that he could no longer stand the pain that he was suffering from and did not want to end up in a home when his mind completely failed him. That actually makes sense. Sorry? I said it actually makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was cremated, and his ashes were placed at Forest Lawn Memorial Park, Glendale, in California. No shit. Yeah. And, while many of his movies have been sadly nearly forgotten, he is well remembered for a few timeless creations which will no doubt keep his name and memory with us for generations to come. Well, yeah, even many years from now, people are still going to remember Boris Karloff and Frankenstein, or The Bride of Frankenstein. <clears throat> and for any for anyone interested in uh, a more detailed account of James Whale's life, there's a, a wonderful movie called Of Men and Monsters. Uh Oh, yeah. That is uh, about James Whale's life and uh, his death. Uh, that is a, an excellent, an excellent movie. I believe it's on Netflix because I remember that you actually did a thing on that for yeah. Herotica. Yeah. And I looked it up and I, I've seen it. Yeah, I, I haven't noticed it on uh, Netflix. It may be there, but... Uh, it's got to be around somewhere. I was going to say, maybe it's on one of the side sites. Yeah. 
but regardless, um, he had he he was uh, an outspoken gay in the 30s, which didn't uh, lend him many friends, and he used a lot of gay people in his productions. Uh, but regardless, his movies were classics and uh, are still watched today. Yes. And are still enjoyed today, so... <sighs> he just... He wasn't appreciated enough during his lifetime. No. <clears throat> well, just because that that... That lifestyle wasn't openly accepted, you know, it was... No, not by very many, especially in Hollywood. Um, even though many, many, many Hollywood stars were gay, uh, not many of them were openly gay. Right. Yeah. So. Interesting. And what was the name of the movie one more time? Of Men and Monsters, I think. Was oh. that it? Yes. Something like that. And who, do you remember who was the, the lead in that? You know, I think it was Gandalf. Gandalf, the guy who played Gandalf in... in Ian McKellen. Lord, Ian McKellen, yes. I th- I'm pretty sure that's who it was. I'd have, to, I'd, have to, I'd have to look it up again. Maybe I'll do a report on that for next... Uh, News, views, News and views and reviews, yeah. But I, I'm pretty sure it was Ian. And uh, and the younger guy was... Uh, yeah, the younger guy was... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the guy who did the mummy. Uh, the new mummy movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Brandon... Brandon Fraser. Yes. Actually, that's who it was, yeah. That was... Uh, it was it was made quite a while ago, so he was a young guy then. And... Uh, but it's worth watching. And if you search around on online, you'll find it. Yeah. Well, you can find pretty much anything online. Sure, sure. So that was it. That was that was what I that was what I pulled out of Herotica for this for this show. Um, there is much more uh, in in Herotica. Uh, we can't get into the stories much, of course, because... Without the permission, yeah. Yeah, they're copyrighted, but some of the stories were just amazing. Really <clears throat> twisted and bizarre and very good. Maybe we can get you to read... Um, there's one story that I absolutely love, and um, it was... To, was it Kiss and Kill? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't that was in that was in the uh, the realm of Herodica, which was a, a one time episode of the world of myth that we did on the world of myth. But you did a rewrite last year. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I always rewrite my stuff. <laughs> so maybe we can have you sit down and why, why would I do that? Because that would be awesome. Uh, I don't know. We'll think about it. Hey, I, I actually sat down and read the Unluckies one for one of the podcasts. So, the Unluckies, or not the Unluckies, the the leftovers. Oh, the leftovers, yeah. So it's been done before. Yeah, I know. Okay. Well, we can we can we 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 we, we can see about that. <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah, it's like it's it's already been published, so it's not like it's you know 
secret or anything. Right. Well, that and you own the rights to it. Oh, yeah. Folks, we're going to wrap it up. Um, don't forget about Herotica. Just go to Herotica.com. You can check out all the back issues, the artwork, the stories, poetry, articles. the articles. Uh, Introductions. I it was, was it was an amazing it was an amazing run. It was a great magazine. I had a lot of fun doing that. Uh, really sorry it's gone, but uh, uh, check it out if you feel up to it, you know. And uh, oh yeah, my I've got a couple of stories. Three actually. Some I've got uh, some stories from uh, my uh, fantasy book, uh, the Dragon Hunters, and other fantasy tales is on Amazon Kindle. Uh, so you can go there for 99 cents and get a taste of uh, what I write about occasionally, if you like. Yes. Terry D. Shear under Terry D. Shear or uh, The Dragon Hunters and other fantasy tales, either one. Anyway. Really easy to find. 99 cents for three stories. You can't get shit for 99 cents. I mean, real, realistically, you can't. I, I can't think of anything that's 99 cents. Yeah. You can't even buy a... What is those old Bazooka Joe bubble gums? Yeah, I know. Fuck. Gum used to get five five sticks for a nickel. Now you get ten for two dollars. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yep. But anyway. So we're going to wrap it up. Uh, next week we'll be back and uh, have some more shit for you. That'll be good. So for now, it's uh, Terry D. Sure and... David K. Montoya. Signing off, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, folks. Good night. Good night. That does it for us this week for Flashback Friday. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you next week. Bye.